the only way I've ever scored an XFL game is if uh, Triple H is booking the game. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, let's get started. Are we going? Yeah. All right, welcome back to another episode of Los Ringobernables podcast. Um, I'm Roberto, and I'm actually Armando Alejandro Estrada Jr. Ooh. Hey everyone, I'm Drew, and I'm going to be the vice president of XFL in the next uh, coming season. I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I love the XFL. And Bryson here, also known as Trevor Murdoch. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah, dude. All right, uh, so this week in wrestling, it was just a pretty boring, bland week. There wasn't too much that happened. Uh, Brown for Glory was last Bra- Sunday. Did you Brown say for Brown? Brown for Glory. Bound for Glory was um, yeah, shout out <laughs> last Brown Sunday. Brown yeah, I was about to say shout out to the, the fellow melanated individuals around the world. <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, Bound for Glory happened. Um, it was sick. Yeah, it was sick. That's really all I have to say there. Tessa Blanchard. Tessa Blanchard. She, she honestly stole the show. Yeah. She will be world champion pretty soon. Yeah. I heard there was, they might do a um, team with her and Jordan Grace and give them the tag team champions and have them face the North, which could be really cool, actually. That could be really cool, but... Give her a solo run. Yeah. yeah. I want to see Tessa. <laughs> I want Sammy to beat Brian Cage for the title. Mm-hmm. And then I want Tessa to just murder him in a fucking death match. Hell yeah. Yeah, that'd be sick. Yes, and then for the skeptics that are like uh, into gender wrestling, I'm not going to hate a woman. Like, fuck off. And then I want Tessa Blanchard to run through the audience and punch every single man who's standing in the audience to prove intergender wrestling is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I want her to wail on everyone. Um, yeah, though. So first, uh, first this week we had Raw. Um, we're not going to go super into the matches. Um, we have actually a topic to talk about <laughs> yeah, today. Yeah, we have an actual uh, topic. Um, but yeah, so this week in Raw, the most devastating news of the week was that Rusev got arrested for trying to fight Bobby Lashley. He is free. Don't worry. Um, he's also not getting deported. He's not, he's not getting deported. He's, he's not going back to Bulgaria. He's a U.S. citizen now. His mustache wasn't damaged. No, um... Jesus. That was fine. Uh, the match I really that stood out to me the most was definitely um, Humberto and Rollins. I also was a big fan of the McIntyre-Ricochet match. Um, really just a good way to bring McIntyre back in and just have him just demolish Ricochet. But also Ricochet, you know, just being a part of the other team, it also kind of implies mm-hmm. a little storyline that they're, you know, the feud, yeah. kind of hoping, hoping to, you know, carry on yeah. with the crown jewel. But let's be honest, crown jewel is going to be a fucking hot pile of dog shit dumpster fires. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, which also I thought was interesting that um, McIntyre and Ricochet did not show up on SmackDown. They're really trying to keep the brand separate. But I thought, knowing the WWE, that they would show up next week and it wouldn't be a big deal on SmackDown. Um, but yeah, overall, I'd give Raw probably six. Six, yeah. It was a good. It was a good show. There's a lot of really good wrestling, but it's just. Dude, also Andrade Sin Cara. Yeah. Oh, so, so good. Good. And Humberto. Carrillo versus um, Rollins. Rollins. And then Street Profits versus the OC. Yeah, which... Kevin Owens coming in to save... Kevin Owens was fucking dumb. I would have liked to see anyone else but come But it does set up Kevin Owens versus AJ Styles. I know. But, but it's the difference from their last time, because last time AJ was a face and Kevin was a heel. Yeah. Now it's the opposite, and I think I think a title run could be really good for Kevin, yeah. and then AJ can move on <laughs> to Seth. That's fine. Yeah, AJ needs to be at the top of the card, honestly. AJ it's needs to hard. hold every title ever, even though he... Keeps... But this is also a good way to push the Street Profits, because, let's be honest, they were probably one of the better tag teams in NXT when they got called up, yeah. and then um, their promos have been really solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't like Angelo Dawkins. I think he's a dork. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely the lesser half of the Street Profits as far as athleticism and charisma and stuff like that. Um, I want to see a tag team of Montez Ford and Ricochet. 
Ooh. That would be cool. Uh, Montez would definitely people on the roster. <laughs> yeah, Mon- I mean Montez is definitely the mouthpiece. He mm-hmm. is right. the athletic one. Yeah. Um, Angelo's just kind of like I guess. The Angelo's heater. the big bro, fucking. Yeah. Yeah, but it was a good match though. Um, OC didn't look like total geeks, and Street Profits looked good too. It was a good, good showing for the first for their first match on Raw at least. Yeah. Um, up next, AW Dark. Honestly, this was probably the worst AW Dark that's yeah, been. Yeah, definitely. So the, I wouldn't far. even say it's the worst. It was just the weakest. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely been the weak. I think they're. I think what they happened again with AW. I think they've heard too much. Too many people saying like. You need to put these good matches that were on AW Dark at first on TV, and now they're putting them on TV, and now AW Dark is probably going to start falling in quality going yeah. forward. But it is only three weeks old, so I mean that I might be completely wrong. And not every episode is going to be a fucking banger, you know? Yeah, what I mean, that's like true. every it's it's sure there are going to be weak episodes. Mm-hmm. There's going to be wrestlers who are good who yeah. may necessarily not have chemistry with other wrestlers who are also good, mm-hmm. or they're just good. I mean, eventually, like just with any wrestling, there's going to be top card yeah. people. There's going to be top guys. And then there's going to be bottom card, mid card, you know, people. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to give them some time, put them on AEW Dark. Yeah. And they're probably in the bottom of the card for a reason because they're not very good. Yeah. Brandon Cutler should be the star of AEW Dark because he's going to be a jobber no matter what. And that's where I feel like he belongs. He's going to be the Al Snow. He's going to be the Al Snow of AEW. Yeah, pretty much. I um, just want Marco Stunt to go away. <laughs> he wasn't on AEW Dark, though. Um, but yeah, let's give a, uh, I would give AW Dark, honestly, this week, probably three, three out of ten, yeah, yeah. two yeah, or three, four. yeah. I'm, I'll three. give him some credit and give him four, just because of the Elite match. Yeah, that was a good yeah, match. That was a good match. Um, With the Elite and, you know, Private Party and stuff like that. And if it wasn't for that match, match, though, I think I would probably would have given AW Dark, like, a one. Yeah, I mean they put a they probably put a would have put a real solid match at the end. But anyway, um, up next we have AEW Dynamite. Um, overall, a solid show. Um, better, definitely better than Raw. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'd, I would definitely give it a seven, seven and a half. Yeah, I I do seven. That's generous. I'd say five. Okay. Yeah. What stood out? Anything stood out? Lucha uh, Lucha Bros versus Private Party. Super sick. Private Party's getting a lot better, like real quick. Like the, that first match with the Young Bucks was a little clunky. They had a little bit of like slowing down. I felt like. Yeah. And now, like I think they've like really under like they're understanding like we're on TV. We need to do our best all the time, and they're really putting. Well, Private Party's good also matches. lucking out by the fact that they're working with some of the best tag teams in the world. Yeah, so. but I think that'll just put them. It'll just elevate them to be oh, one absolutely. of the best tag it's teams it's in the world. But with also team. that, the Lucha Bros are trying to become the heels of the tag yeah. team division. Which, if you attack SCU, I would say, yeah, that's probably going to help. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, just because of the the demographic that they have as yeah. far as the wrestling community, yeah. They're just, you know, people are just going to get cheered because they know that their athleticism and their talent is just going to carry them over. Well, know? it's going to be similar to NXT. I mean, like, what we were talking about earlier with um, Undisputed Era. I mean, Undisputed Era gets babyface pops and babyface reactions when they're supposed to be shithead heels that no one likes. And it's just like, that's going to be the new wrestling fan is like, if you get over in the indies and then go into a bigger promotion, no matter how, what you are, if you're a heel or a face or whatever, you're going to get those more, you're going to get different crowd reactions from what we normally expect. As long as, as long as the company can still kind of back you. Yeah. Because let's be honest, what happens with Shinsuke, you know, <laughs> the, he's not even getting cheered to boot. He's just like not getting a single reaction. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it's just, you know, it, it's part of, you know, the company backing you mm-hmm. as well as the community still kind of sticking behind you. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you can like. I think Shinsuke is a perfect example. <laughs> went over in Japan, came to NXT, was killing it in NXT. Yeah. Went to the main roster. 
that's kind of when the thing started, you know, falling apart. Mm-hmm. He was still getting great reactions. The crowd was still chanting his intro and stuff like that. Um, and then after a while, I don't know, it just, uh, the company never really put him in, in great positions. No. They wanted to turn, turn him heel. And that was yeah. probably the worst thing they could ever do. They changed his theme song, which meant that the crowd couldn't chant with him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, he has had his, you know, his bright moments as being a heel with, you know, just sticking to, to speaking Japanese, mm-hmm. but overall, yeah. I mean, moving forward. Yeah. Um, up next, we have uh, SCU versus Dark Order. SCU won. That was a surprise um, to yeah. a lot of people. Honestly, I thought it's Dark Order was me. gonna. Yeah, I thought Dark Order was gonna take the whole tournament. Yeah. Um, so but now, luckily, they didn't. Yeah. Let's be honest. with Dark Thank Order. God. I Stur- genuinely Stur- enjoyed the Dark Order. Last week you said Evil you know, like Evil Uno's blah, but Stu Grayson is so sick. No, but that's the thing. Is Stu Grayson's Stu Grayson cool? Is but so no, but it, it, <laughs> figure it out, Bryson. Are you a fan or are you not? I know. Last I week think. I think as a tag team, they work really well. I don't like Evil Uno. What changed your mind? I've always, I mean, even when they were uh, the Super Smash Bros., I liked their stuff. You literally just said last week that you did not like them. You don't I want don't them like on TV. Evil Uno. You said them collectively. I don't like Evil Uno or his minions. But Stu Grayson's okay. sick. So, okay. yeah, Stu Grayson's sick. Stu Grayson's Everything sick. else about the Dark Order sucks. And um, that's something I think we can all agree on. Um, Omega and Janela. That's fine. I mean, it's just a repeat of AW Dark trying to get more people to look at AW Dark, I think. And it's just like people saying that that match was super good on AW Dark, so why not bring it to TV? And that's what they did. And um, it was good. establishes it was good. Kenny Omega as a super solid going into this. He seems strong going into the match against um, Moxley at full gear. Um, and then up next, we had Young Bucks versus Best Friends. Best part about this match was Orange Cassidy coming out. Orange, Orange Cassidy, Cassidy is the best part about everything, always. And then the Young Bucks had a, a Rainmaker hug. Yeah. <laughs> they they, they yeah. took their spot. And I want to see Young Bucks versus Orange Cassidy in a handicap match, and I think that would be so sick, and Orange Cassidy better fucking win. Because yeah. Orange Cassidy can do so many cool things, and I think once they let people start seeing that, like when people realize, like a general audience who's watching this like realizes how good Orange Cassidy is, he's going to get a real big push. It's yeah. going to be really cool. Well, even um, with the episode of wrestlers on the road eating, ordering room service. Yeah. With the best friends, the Bucks and the best friends were talking about how good Orange Cassidy is. Yeah. They're like, I don't understand how nobody could be a fan because he's so amazing at what he does. But it's true. He's. he's he needs a amazing. title. <laughs> he needs a title already. No, dude. Orange Cassidy is above every title. Yeah. And then. Um, Moxley uh, Pac. Yeah. Moxley Pac ended in no it's contest, fine, yeah. which I like, um, just showing them sticking to the actual rules, with which we've noticed has been an issue with uh, AEW's tag teams. Um, I just like it, show, it establishes. Pac is still having that undefeated record, and I bet they're going to keep that on until the next pay-per-view after Full Gear because I really feel like they're trying to set up with Pac getting really mad that he's been undefeated and not getting a title shot and then going against um, Jericho, which will be cool. I think that would be really cool if they go with that storyline. Um, it also makes Moxley not seem like a complete geek before going into the match with Kenny Omega. He does a good job of that himself. Yeah, I mean, with, with Pac, yeah. his mic skills are... They've just improved every single year ever since ever since he and his stuff when he got on commentary too a couple weeks ago was super cool. It was funny. Like he's super. Yeah. He's, he's a funny guy. So good. At what he, he is does. such a bastard. Big shout out to Pac. Um, big big shout out. To I know you're listening. But up next we had NXT. Um, NXT was damn good this week. Yeah. Um, Belair versus Ripley. Bel- solid. Super solid, solid match. Sure. Solid. Yeah. Um, Weird kind of dynamics are going with. Maybe I'm not paying enough attention to NXT to understand it, but I thought it was weird that um, I thought that Belair was supposed to be the face in this match, and then Io Shirai, the heel, came out and attacked Rhea Ripley, and then the face 
Candice LeRae, maybe I'm overthinking it, but the face Candice LeRae came out and attacked Io Shirai and let the heel, monster heel, Rhea Ripley win. I think I'm overthinking it, but I thought that was a little weird. Well, that, but that might be slightly overthinking it, but I do yeah. understand your thought process just because, well, isn't the heel supposed to attack, yeah. you know, the face exactly. match? Well, yeah. like so I said, they're starting to push Rhea Ripley as a face in NXT. Yeah, but she's a monster. How yeah, that, I, did, I don't a think monster it's face. Okay. You end up with Braun Strowman, and that's terrible. She did really months. well in NXT UK as a heel. Oh, I agree. Really, I mean, really keep her going. She's fighting Shayna Baszler, and the heel versus heel dynamic doesn't work. Whereas Rhea Ripley, if she's being pushed as a tweener, that kind of edges more towards the face side, but still having that ass kicker mentality. Okay, that's what'll work. Yeah, Shayna Baszler's a bully. Rhea Ripley seems like the kind of person that would stand up to the bully. Yeah, that's fine. I, I understand that. Um, yeah. if, if that's, I guess, well, considered long-term long booking. Well, there's which just is no storyline when there's a heel versus a heel. You, yeah. the bad guys don't fight each other unless it's for world domination. Yeah. Which I think could work, though, when you have the title on the line, though. If you have two greedy heels who are just shitheads who want to go for it. But anyway, um, up next we had uh, Dakota Kai versus the, the Four Horsewomen. Um, and Kai and Knox. Knox. Yeah. Well, it was Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox versus yep. Jasmine Duke and uh, Marina yeah. Shafir, yeah. which was fine. It was yeah, whatever. It was fine. Um, it was a good showcase for Tegan Knox and uh, yeah. Dakota Kai coming back. Yeah, the four horse winner jobbers like they should be. Yeah, and um, Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox won, and now they're going to be challenging for the women's titles, women's tag team titles next week on NXT, which is cool. I like how they're starting to introduce that floating. Um, floating belt and I think like we brought up in I think it was probably our second episode we talked about how many belts there are in WWE right now there's something like 24 25 yeah um it could be a cool way to cut down on belts to make belts more prestigious and have them float between brands um and then kind of put them put the person who had the belt back on the brand where they belong yeah as long as there's follow-up with that it could be really cool um, I also think this will be a really good opportunity to kind of see if uh, Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox are ready for a bigger audience. And I think it really helped with getting more female tag teams up on the main roster because right now there's really not, not that much. Uh, and then this is, and what they have, it isn't really great. There's, yeah. there's nothing really established besides Kabuki Warriors, maybe Mandy mm-hmm. Rose and Sonya Deville. Um, Alexa and um, Nikki Cross. Nikki but they're Cross. on two different brands now, yeah, aren't they? Aren't yeah, brands, but that's the thing now, like after the draft. So dumb. You know, things like that. It's it, There's not really uh, yeah. established tag teams besides the Kabuki Warriors. Mm-hmm. So now, moving forward, hopefully this can kind of, you know, yeah. re- uh, you know establish some sort of people. There. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. But they haven't been on TV in a while. <coughs> yeah, they're not going to do anything. Um, up next, we had uh, Roderick, Roderick with the triple threat against uh, Keith Lee and Dominic Dijak. Perfect match. Very cool. I like the way they set this up throughout the episode also. They cut back to promo um, to Dominic Dijak in the back, getting ready, seeming more intense, kind of developing his character more. Uh, talking about how he told his family that he was going to win and he was taking home that championship, which um, gives him a reason to be in that match and makes that belt seem important to him, which kind of elevates the belt overall. Um, Keith Lee was talking about how it's his time to go for it, and then Roderick was kind of talking to with the Undisputed Era. Um, really cool match, though. I like the way how they made match. these two dominant monsters, because Keith Lee had the win. He yeah. had the pin, and then Rod came, came in. in, took the knee, and took the pin, which was really um, and pinned Lee, which was really cool. Still continuing that um, tactic side of Roddy. Yeah. Just because it, it allowed the big guys to kind of dominate the match, which mm-hmm. is fine. It, it, it makes sense, right? Roddy being the smaller guy. Yeah. Sure, he's what like five ten, yeah. But you know, with uh, Dominic Dijakovic being six eight, six seven, or yeah, something six, like seven, that, yeah. and then Keith Lee being six 
two, three, yeah, something like that. Three. Three. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it definitely allowed them to kind of just take over the match, yeah. let it do. I mean, sure, Roddy did have his spots here now and then. Yeah. But it was good because then it doesn't make it almost a squash type match mm-hmm. for Roddy, and yeah. it made him look good. Yeah. You know, they, it allowed Everybody them to rush. Everybody walked out of that match looking good. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. Everybody. Cool. What What tripped me out though was the um, the. It was like that uh, Tower of Doom spot yeah. where oh, yeah. uh, Keith Lee almost whiffed it and yeah. he like landed on outside of the ring God. for a second. I yeah. got scared. Yeah. Um, really good match. And then after this, we had um, Undisputed Era come to the ring. Uh, and then Tommaso Ciampa came out. And then uh, Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano came out. Um, and then Finn turned heel. So sick. The Prince is so back. That's what back. everyone's been saying. Super sick. Really solid Pele kick. NXT was actually really good this week, and I would probably give it. I probably give it like an eight out of ten. Yeah, I was, say, I was about to say it. De- it definitely just squeezed just past as far as wrestling concerned. Yeah, yeah, it, it just squeezed just past uh, AEW. Dynamite. Yeah, even sick. though AEW had more viewers. Yeah, yep. AEW is keeping with that more viewers, which is really cool. Um, I just see it. I mean, NXT is great, and I think NXT is going to stay about these view this viewer level. They've been on TV long enough. I think where it'll be really interesting is going to be after the next takeover for NXT as well as the next pay-per-view for AW because I think that'll get more eyes. It'll get more eyes on the product. Um, up next, we had SmackDown. Um, I didn't watch it. I didn't really care about SmackDown. I, I didn't catch it this week either. I'm having a really hard time pay- staying up to date on the main roster with um, Crown Jewel coming up and this way they're kind of uh, fucking with storylines and not really building anything new. After um, Crown Jewel, though, I'll probably start paying attention to both Raw and SmackDown a little bit closer mm-hmm. to see kind of what's getting set up for the next um, next big pay-per-view. Yeah, so there was like a promo with Kane and, uh, and Brock, and what ended up happening is actually Brock got Kane and gave him an F5 and stuff like that. So Didn't he beat up uh, Walter? Oh, Dominic. Dominic. That's right. I get it mixed up. Sorry. Yeah, and, and they did it again. <laughs> um, and then there was also uh, like a preview of, of the Crown Jewel match uh, at, at the beginning there was that thing uh, with um, it was Ali, Roman Reigns, and Shorty G okay. versus Shinsuke, King Corbin, and Cesaro, which is cool that they're kind of giving Cesaro yeah. some time. Because well, what ended up happening was there was a promo. Um, they were challenging uh, Team Flair to a fight, mm-hmm. and uh, what ended up happening was Sami Zayn was talking, and he was like, "Yeah, let's do it," but. My neck, it got tweaked during the flight here. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I got, like, this little thing in my neck, and I'm not cleared to go. But there's somebody in the back who's been itching for an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then Cesaro came out. Yeah, super cool. Um, I also know that uh, they did that promo from the PC where uh, Tyson Fury was training and then boxing, for the most part, not really training, hit the ropes real bad. Yeah, real Tyson bad. Fury, Tyson Fury, this Tyson Fury match is going to be fucking rough <laughs> and then um Braun Strowman came in and uh just, just tack- tackled shoulder him. tackled him basically like shoulder checked him like pretty rough though like he the way he tackles people is like the kid in elementary school who got overly aggressive and then got really mad about being picked on and then just shoved someone over like too hard and then everyone's like wow what the fuck dude some Tyson Fury's got real school shooter vibes yeah Tyson Fury, it's going to be... It's fucking stupid. It's going to be rough. We've already talked about it the past couple weeks. I just don't give a shit about this crown jewel. I don't care about Team Hogan versus Flair. Uh, Hulk Hogan smells like baloney. Same, but on a brighter note, here's a video of uh, Orange Cassidy, Eddie Kingston, and Trent Seven singing a song to Edge. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, they're like they always. I saw that on Twitter. They're all friends. There's something going yeah. on in the UK right now, or yeah. some some wrestling event. But uh, oh, actually, and then another kind of memorable thing on SmackDown is just another Firefly Funhouse. Oh yeah, episode. Right, right. Um, he, I heard he this rebuilt. one was the worst. Yeah, it was just it was just not. It didn't really lead to anything. I think uh, it was just rebuilt. Yeah. Um, they brought back um, Rabbit. 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 Yeah. So he, he was like. He was talking about like having an open casket. He was like, you know, Rambling Rabbit. All he wanted was an open, ca- uh, an open casket funeral. Yeah. And he opened it and he took him out, like yeah. all bloodied, and it was weird. Yeah. And, and he was wearing the he was wearing the gloves. Yeah. And he he had the one where it said heal on yeah. it. Um. And then like it cut to him back alive. Huh. And, see. And then uh, Mercy the Buzzer ate him. Yeah. See, I think um. I think Fox is going to really fuck up The Fiend, and I think this time next year, Bray Wyatt's going to be on another hiatus, and we're not going to see him again for another two years. No, this time next year, he'll be on AEW Uh, or Impact. God. No, I really think, I think he's going to be fucked up again, and I think it's going to be the same thing with the Wyatt family, where he's just going to be corny at a certain point, and it's not going to be fun to watch. WWE's doing the same thing, and this idea was so fucking cool, and I think we're watching the downfall of Firefly Funhouse. Um, hopefully he can be the next host of Blue's Clues, though. <laughs> smack John Cena in the fucking face for not getting it. Yeah, we'll see. But, um, <laughs> I mean, other than that, just the Braun Strowman segment where yeah. um, it was Drew Gulak and Kalisto having a match. Oh, yeah. Braun Strowman doesn't like Drew Gulak. He doesn't like PowerPoints, dude. He he dropped out of He's high school. Dumb, he was dude. ninth grade. He listens to too much fucking... Uh... He didn't go to school. All he did was just stay and uh, help his family in the farm. He's too country strong. <laughs> oh, my God. Corn fed. Corn fed. Dude. Corn bread fred, fed, dude. <laughs> Corn bread fed. Dude, yeah. I bet someone. Drop dead Fred. Someone in Braun Strowman's family probably makes a really good cornbread. I don't know probably. who, but it's probably. It's like his great aunt. <laughs> Yeah. Didn't they didn't they do one of those like my my child is a wrestler segment? Yeah, they talked about how his dad's like a professional softball player. Yeah, yeah weird kind of weird. soft well soft pitch player. So like soft pitch player, yeah, because like it doesn't matter about it's fucking stupid. Anyway, <laughs> let's um let's get into this episode this week's topic. Let's talk about spooky wrestlers. It's the spooky season. We're near Halloween when we're recording this. This is the twenty sixth. Um, so let's talk about some spooky gimmicks, some scary wrestlers, some just cheapers creepers gave you the heapers. Yeah. You know? um, anyone? Uh, some honorable mentions for spooky wrestlers that aren't covered. Um, Jason Voorhees. Jason, Jason Voorhees. Uh, was it like he was in WCW? Right. No, Japan. Oh. All uh, Japan, bro. Yeah. Him um, and Freddy Krueger both. The yeah, fiend. but it was like a thing where. <laughs> It was definitely not licensed. Yeah. True, but it went to Japan. They have a guy whose name is like BXB Hulk Hogan wrestling in Japan. He's like, boy, it's like, he's a gay version of Hulk Hogan in Japanese. I don't think Japan cares about trademark licensing. Huh. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, some honorable mentions. The Fiend. Um, Randy Orton's burned down some people's houses. He said the N-word on Twitch once, so <laughs> I was pretty scared hearing that. Yeah, Seriously. He's spooky. I, I was pretty scared hearing that. Um, Randy Orton's pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> Brother Nero, Broken Matt Hardy, Willow, of course. Big shout out to Willow. I'm a Gross. huge Willow fan. <laughs> you just love his laugh, don't you? I love, I loved, I thought that match with him his and Rockstar Spud from TNA was on, uh, from Impact, sorry, was honestly probably the definition of a five star match. <laughs> yeah, dude. You, you, dude, that's quality wrestling. Yep. Um, it was like height of his, 
Well, no, actually, that was that was in the height. It was like just right after he got clean and sober, yeah. and then he needed an outlet. So he's like, "I'm gonna be a weirdo." Well, because like, I don't want to be a weirdo in real life. Honestly, Jeff Hardy's one of the most creative individuals I've ever met in my entire life. Because that's why I, every single commentary team gets over all the fucking time as soon as he comes out of the ring wearing a mask. One guy who definitely needs an honorable mention though is Father James James Mitchell. Oh no, I'm gonna talk about him. I didn't know that. We'll, we'll get into um, that later. Well, spoiler alert, one of my topics is going to be Abyss. Because guess what, Bryson? We had a group chat, and we talked about who we are going to talk about. You didn't say that you were going to talk about the manager associated with him. I'm going to talk about the wrestler. So, yeah, he, he's been a huge part of his life. So, yeah, I'm going to talk about Father James Mitchell. Fine, I take that honorary mention back, and I give it to Relic instead. All right, okay. so what we're all going to do is we all picked three wrestlers. We're going to talk about them, talk about... Um, a little bit of uh, what they've been doing, who they are, and then uh, from there we'll kind of, if anyone else has any input, we'll speak up, um, and then we'll just all go in a round. Um, these aren't really ranked. They're not, it's not like worst to best or best to worst. It's just kind of um, these three wrestlers that we all picked out. Uh, so to start, I picked uh, Sue Young. She is the undead bride of Impact. She's um, she started back in 2007 uh, down in Memphis, and then uh, from there she had a brief stint in FCW and in the WWE for a second, and then um, and now is uh, in Impact. Also wrestles in uh, Shimmer as well as yeah Impact and Shimmer right now. That's where she's active. Um, she's super cool. She's an undead bride. She's had a lot of um, really gimmicky, crazy matches. Um, she had a feud with. Um, with uh, Sar- Saraya and Shimmer that was in Shine that was really cool. She's also had a feud with uh, Rosemary as well as Jeff- Jessica Havoc. She had a funeral for Rosemary with her and her undead brides who came out. Um, she's a really solid wrestler. She's fine. Um, I think she's... Uh, her finisher is the Panic Switch, uh, which is a spin Samoan driver, and then also the, uh, the Purge, which is just a mandible claw, which I think... I wonder if the Mandible Claw is going to be overused in spooky wrestlers in the future because it is kind of a spooky move, but it's kind of one of those things where if it's, it becomes overused, I feel like it's going to kind of ruin that move. For well, like, it, I mean, I as far as the spooky wrestlers, besides Mankind, uh, who was really using it? The like, Fiend. The Fiend. Sue Young. Sue Young. Ta- um, did Tigger use it or Kane? Well, no, when Kane came back in 2012, he used, like, the claw instead of... Yeah. Oh, that like face. Yeah. He yeah. just like stuck his hand in somebody's face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he probably just never washed his glove, which yeah. made people bump pass out, which <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Glenn Jacobs. Big shout out to Glenn Jacobs. Yeah. Um, anyway, so she's had a um, super. I noticed when I was watching a lot of her matches, um, she has a lot of really good facial expressions in the ring, which is really cool. And I think um, I haven't really heard a lot of people talk about it. I really liked all that stuff. Um, yeah. Some, some matches I'd probably recommend is. Um, I watched a match with her and uh, Rosemary. They had a couple feuds. They had a, um, a collar match where they both had a chain collar across the ring. Um, some pretty scary um, little uh, hang-ups during that match, too, with a lot of uh, choking and real gnarly stuff. Um, really good match, though. Uh, most of her stuff's on YouTube. Most of the stuff that Impact does is on YouTube in some way. I feel like almost every match Impact's ever had is on YouTube. Um, also, Impact Plus will have a lot of her stuff, too. Um She's still active. She still wrestles with mostly independent stuff from what I've seen. I haven't really seen her much on Impact lately. I don't even think she showed up at uh, Bound for Glory. Does anyone know? No, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. No. But, yeah, um, 
Her Undead Brides are really cool, too. Um, they all come to the ring with her. There's about probably like five or six. Uh, the Undead Bridesmaid is a Casey Spinelli, or Maid of Honor, sorry. Um, and she's kind of the leader of the Undead Brides when Sue Young's not around, it seems like. Um, real cool stuff, though. Um, yeah, I think that's really all I have to say about Sue Young. I'm a big fan of her, though. Um, I'll have to check her out just because I never, I never really looked into her. I've seen her just like, just through watching mm-hmm. TNA and stuff, but I never really um, paid attention. I, I, I wasn't really, even now, I'm not like the biggest as far as impact in the women's division. But I, I understand why people really do love it just by watching the newer stuff with Tessa Blanchard, yeah, um, and things like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I'll have to definitely. Yeah, entire Valkyrie, Valkyrie for sure. Yeah, um, cool. I think I remember watching some stuff with her and um, Johnny Mundo and stuff, or Johnny mm-hmm. Impact. Yeah, uh, Johnny Mundo Impact Morrison. Yeah, yeah, the third, <laughs> the third. <laughs> He's coming to WWE, maybe or is? I I think he is. Well, him He's and Jake Atlas. Yeah, Jake Atlas. Big congrats to Jake Atlas, by the way. Shout That's out to awesome. Jake Atlas. Yeah, saw him. Jake Atlas is super saw sick. him wrestle in literally a bar. When I was with first, no ring. When I was first seeing so, so. wrestling, I'd watch um, him and Bro and <coughs> Santino Bro stuff. Really cool. He's a solid worker. Very really solid good. worker. Um, really exciting. All right. Bryson. Yeah. Bryson. Berto. Who's next? Me? All right. Fine. I guess I'll go next. So I went ahead and picked Abyss, the big monster Abyss from TNA, Impact, GCW, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You mean GFW. Or GFW, whatever. Impact, now again, um, you know, <laughs> uh, he's a mainstay in, in TNA. I mean, he's been wrestling there since two thousand and two, two thousand three, I believe. Um, basically, TNA's version of Kane, quite literally. Kane mixed with mankind. Yeah, Kane, mankind, big spoopy guy. Um, he, I remember watching him as a kid when I first started watching TNA. I was living in California at the time, like 2003, 2004, our families have a black box, and this is when TNA used to only be on pay-per-view, and so I, we used to have a black box, and I remember, like, turning it and watching TNA matches, and I remember, like, right when Abyss really started to debut, he would, he would be, they were, like, these weird backstage segments, you knew they were in backstage, but they, like, wanted to claim it, like, he was in some sort of cage or something, because he would, like, be behind this fence, and he'd be, like, oh, like, I need to get out, or something like that, and somebody finally freed him, and, (laughs) dude, so weird, really, for as big as he is, really good wrestler, like, as far as, like, a big man is concerned, quite literally one of the better big mans in in the industry, and just the longevity that he was able to have, and constantly having great matches with just fucking top-tier talent, Mm -hmm. super underrated in the ring, definitely... Like, would have loved to see him in the WWE. However, when he was at his peak, so was Undertaker, so mm-hmm. was Kane. Yeah. You know, they were trying... Those were his guys. Those those were the WWE's guys. And so, as far as bringing Abyss in, he would have gotten lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. Really wouldn't had a, wouldn't have had a character in WWE to kind of portray what he really was doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it, it is what it is. Um, Hall of Famer. In TNA. Hell yeah. Yeah, he was uh, inducted in the Hall of Fame in 2018. Wait, TNA has a Hall of Fame? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, TNA. Yeah, there's like, maybe 10 people in there. Yeah, it's like, like, it's like Morgan's house, or what is it? Yeah, it's 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 um, it's like a wall in, um, 
What's her name? Uh, Dixie Carter's yeah, Dixie house. Carter's house. Yeah, God. it's a fire. It's got like Carter's it's got home. like Hulk Hogan, Sting, Kurt Angle, AJ Styles. I think I don't. Mm, maybe not. Maybe not. I don't remember. Not it's Jeff, like Abyss, Jeff, uh, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett. Um, but yeah, I think okay. it's I think yeah. it's just a Dixie Carter's mantle. Okay, cool. Makes sense. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's a you know just like a, a bunch of matches I, I I was able to kind of go back and watch. Mm-hmm. Um, he funny enough. He had a match in 2008 with uh, Ricky Banderas, also known as Mil Muertes in the Lucha Underground. So he actually had a stint in TNA for like a couple months, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, unmasked. Um, and uh, it was a fucking Didn't gnarly was match. It was Judas a, Macias. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah. It, it was na- his name was Judas Macias. So Hell yeah. But uh, I, it, Ricky Banderas to me. Um, or Mil Mortes. See, I feel like Impact had a lot of really solid wrestlers, like when they were TNA and they were on Spike, but like no one pays attention. Like no one well, knows who dude, they are. They were on Fox Sports Net. If you if you it's didn't from, know like, that, two thousand four to two thousand like five. Well, I mean, yeah. Like this week, I saw this week. Um, Bryson brought up uh, who was that wrestler who was um, he was a big guy. He's wrestled in Impact. Um, he's. What's his name? Hom- no, Homicide, no. No, Homicide was a tiny oh, uh, Hernandez? Hernandez, yeah. Hernandez. Yeah. He, he's fucking solid. And, like, I never knew about him because, like, there's a lot of wrestlers that fall in this weird little stint. <laughs> Wasn't he in, L- in LAX? Or no? Yeah. Yeah, he was in LAX. Yeah. yeah. That's super why I was like, I remember him being in LAX. He's yeah. super sick, and, like, a lot of his old stuff, like, a lot of his moves were super solid. Everything was cool, but, like, really I feel good. like you get, like, a lot of these TNA wrestlers who fit in that, like, Early two, early mid two thousands, like it's era. It's kind of like metalcore. They just get ignored. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot like metalcore. <laughs> it's a lot like metalcore, where Her like it's was very underrated. It's like kids are yeah. like really just started listening to like early to mid two thousands metalcore, and yeah. like yeah, man, that's actually really sick. I don't know why a lot of people weren't <laughs> listening to this while they were all listening to like Attack Attack. Yeah, <laughs> but Dude, here we shout are. Shout out Attack Attack. Yeah. Shout out I'm Hernandez. Sorry. Shout out Attack Attack. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, move back to Abyss. Abyss. Uh, yeah. Sorry. He had that back match with uh, with uh, Judas Macias at Against All Odds in 2008. It was a barbed wire match. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was just instead of ropes, it was all barbed, barbed wire. It was really gnarly. There are some spots where you could just see them, like, quite literally, I mean, purposefully sticking their fucking flesh into the barbed wire so they would, like, they're basically blading themselves. Yeah. But, quite noticeably and they were grabbing onto the handle like with their hands on the barbed wire just to kind of show color but it was gnarly yeah another great match was uh aj styles versus abyss in lockdown 2005 so So fucking good so good it was a six sides of steel match so it was basically a cage match in uh in an octagon in in, in a six-sided sorry to interrupt you but the start of that match is the coolest start of any match ever it's just yeah. AJ Styles doing a toe over the ropes and just murdering a bit yeah you know? it was that's it, how it, it starts it starts off at 100 miles an hour and it doesn't slow down yeah exactly so uh, it, it was cool because the opening spot like Bryson said quite literally AJ Styles does a tope con hilo um, as Abyss is walking towards the cage because they just left the cage door open he's like he's like fuck it let's just go and he yeah. just fucking does it insane okay. um, yeah he had these I mean, with, with Abyss, of course, not every year of his career was great. Yeah. He had these, like, weird <laughs> angles, like, towards the end of his career where he had this, like, split personality angle where basically it was, like, Kane 2.0. Um, yeah. Quite literally mocking, the like, uh, the Kane of, like, wh- when he got, like, demasked again mm-hmm. back in, like, I don't know, was it 20? No, it was, like, the, the other one where it was, like, 20... Oh, uh, when he gave up his mask to be yeah, part of the... Yeah, the, the authority. The authority, yeah. So it was, like, 2013? Yeah. yeah. 
2014. You got the mask by like Rob Van Dam in like 2003 or something. Yeah, I remember that. Triple H. Oh, I thought it was Rob Van Dam. Because it was a match for the World Heavyweight Championship. No, but then why was Rob Van Dam in the ring? Because they were tag team partners. Right. And he was consoling him, and then came turned heel and choked Slamberg. I remember that. Yeah. But we'll talk about that later. Yeah. We'll get more into that in a second. Yeah. So that split personality angle, which is kind of weird. He went by his real name. Weird. Yeah, for like is, when he when he wasn't wearing the mask, he went by his real name, and uh, when he mm-hmm. was wearing the mask, he was like the monster abyss, which is kind of weird. Yeah, like it was like this. It was kind of like the fiend before the fiend, but except like he would come out and like cut promos wearing a suit and stuff. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm not sure. Super weird. Yeah. Um. That yeah. They they would have like these uh, hardcore matches, but they would call them monster ball matches mm-hmm. because abyss was in them. And so they would just call him Monster Ball well, because it was like, just like the it, because it, the Abyss was the Monster Abyss. There was yeah. an Impact pay review recently that was they had a they had it for the the title the woman the Knockouts title was on the line and it was they had him in they had this like weird they I can't remember the name of the match it was like Monster something match but it was like four or five females who were all locked in a room for forty eight hours before the match because they were supposed to start hating each other before they came out to the ring. What is this, like, Big Brother? <laughs> it was, like, weird. They were, like, they were locked in a room for, like, I think, I think it might not have been 48, it might have been 24 hours before the match started. They weren't supposed to eat, they weren't supposed to do anything. And in then they TNA? Were, yeah, in Impact, like, this year. It was an earlier <laughs> pay-per-view. I can't remember what it was. It, was, uh, it wasn't... It wasn't... What the hell's so weird? But anyways, yeah. uh, going back to this. Uh, also, as we mentioned, Father James Mitchell was his manager throughout the majority part of his career. <laughs> Uh, basically, just trying to be a Satanist manager. Yeah. He would. He trying had. To be he a would. Bear. Yeah. No. No. He literally reminded me of uh, Anton Levy, <laughs> because he would just wear a red suit. He mm-hmm. would like. W- uh, he put like this. Uh, he would draw on his eyebrows, or maybe the, yeah, he would draw on his eyebrows. They're like shaped. Yeah, I don't know if they were shaped or if they were horns. just dra- yeah. They looked like horns, um, and would wear a red suit all the time. He would sometimes come out like like uh, walking with a staff, and he was just basically like this, just Satanist, or what people did think that Satanists look like. He was just kind of perpetuating the stereotype of just yeah, I worship Satan. Makes sense. I mean, also, kind of a small tangent. He was in ECW for for a bit before he was in TNA. Yeah, well, that's where that's where he, everyone goes. He uh... he used to wrestle. Well, well, no, actually, he was a manager. Never mind. Yeah, he I don't think he wrote. Yeah, he Jerry and Mickey Whiplash. Oh, or yeah. Whipwreck, not Whiplash. Yeah. Whipwreck as the Unholy Trinity or something yeah. like that. That's sick. Um, or the Unholy Duo or some shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the match I was talking about earlier with uh, Ty Valkyrie is a four-way monster ball match at Slammiversary this year. Oh. They had them. It was, uh, I was wrong when I said Tessa Blanchard. It was uh, Ty Valkyrie, Jessica Havoc, Rosemary, and Sue Young. Um, <laughs> yeah, they had them uh, stay in a room for... 24 hours beforehand, no food. They were supposed to build tension that way, and then they come out of the ring, and they're just all ready to fight each other because they're sick of seeing each other. Yeah, great. Um, but, yeah, dumb. just to kind of close this out with this, um, he actually appeared in ROH. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, he actually appeared in ROH for maybe a few matches. Probably the best match that he had was a huge tag. It was Alex Shelley, Abyss, Jamie Rave, and Nana versus AJ Styles, Austin Aries, Jack Evans, and Matt Seidel. That's Turned out had to have been what two thousand. It was seven. It was two thousand five. It was two thousand and five. It was early in yeah. everybody's basically careers. Hell yeah! It was like it was, it, yeah, and it, it was fucking killer match. Yeah, watch it. It's on YouTube. Hell yeah! Right now. Sick. Go watch it. Pause this podcast. Just yeah. kidding. Listen Going. to the podcast. Well, on. Listen to the podcast first. Yeah. Now that you're back it. after watching that match, Bryson, what's your next? <laughs> so mine's gonna be Dan Spivey, also known as Waylon Mercy, just because. 
he has that whole like cult leader vibe to him. I mean, and he's definitely definitely based off of Max Caddy from uh, Cape Fear. I just remember being probably eight or nine years old watching a rerun of Monday Night Raw that my uncle had recorded and left at our house when he was babysitting us one time. I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling at the time, but I remember watching it, and I remember seeing uh, Waylon Mercy cutting a promo, talking very quietly, talking very sinisterly, very, like, almost ethereally, and, like, it just penetrating me so, like, deep that it just... I It gave me nightmares. And with him uh, cutting the promo and saying, lives are going to be in Waylon Mercy's hands... You know what I mean, right? As a kid, that was like, yo, fuck this shit. Yeah, I'm going to bed. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to bed with every light on my house on. Um, and just because like, he just had that very dominant presence without looking obnoxious about it. Like, he was very tall, but he didn't like... He wasn't like some big, muscly dude like Lex Luger. He was kind of like thin-ish and like... Just he looked. He was just super creepy looking. He had the receding hairline. He had the upside down cross on his forehead. He was just what I imagined. If somebody was gonna break into my house and kill me, that's who would do it. But didn't Bray Wyatt basically just steal his gimmick? And yeah, they, yeah. The, the the cult leader Bray Wyatt gimmick is basically a ripoff of Waylon Mercy, but Waylon Mercy gave him permission. Fair enough. Which is super sick, and I love that. Like, so what happens when your dad is IRS. True. But I love the, like, almost realistic supernatural thing about it, because, like, cult leaders are obviously very real. I mean, you look at the Jonestown Massacre. Um, anybody who's a Mormon is in, involved in a cult. Shout out to the LDS church. Hot takes. Um, but he just had that whole, like, <laughs> he just had that whole feeling like if you looked at him wrong or you crossed him, he was just going to rip your throat out and not think twice about it. No, he definitely looked like he was going to stalk you in the parking lot and yeah. just wait till fucking you get to your car and he'll just kill you inside your car. Yeah, pretty much. So he, he, he was just like... A Charles Manson kind of type of character. Yeah, he was just my closest approximation to an actual horror movie villain when I was a kid. Because, like, yeah, I mean, Chucky or... Freddy Krueger, that's great, but Dan Spivey's an actual guy that mm-hmm. has a face that I could, like, be worried about when I was a kid. So he's, he, he creeped me out when I was a kid, so he's, that's why he's on the list. Okay. Right Any matches or anything? No. Not, I mean, he was I mean, a manager. He wasn't was, really a, he, he was mostly a, a manager, right? Uh, yeah, he was a manager, he was, he pretty much wore all of his hats. Um, he was never really known for, like, his in-ring prowess, other than when he was doing, like, the skyscrapers with, uh, Psycho Sid. Single stuff, nothing I mean special. I mean, he beat Bob Holly a couple times. That's sick, because fuck Bob Holly. <laughs> nah, dude, he's the gatekeeper of wrestling. Fuck off. Right? Hell yeah. But yeah, he, that's he's that's why he's on my list. All right, let's talk about the scariest uh, possible person alive. Uh, Glenn Jacobs, the mayor of Knox County, <laughs> a.k.a. Kane. The libertarian who I have a slight suspicion probably does not support the legalization of marijuana. I feel like he's the one libertarian. Um, and loves Scandinavian economy for some reason. He's super fucking weird. Um, I thought he was a Republican. No, no he's, he's a libertarian. libertarian. Really? I yeah, he, he literally—he's like an open libertarian. I he might, like, he's so libertarian. He was on the Alex Jones show. 
He might have ran as a Republican to get the votes because yeah, sometimes libertarians can't run as their own party. Uh, but he's okay. like he identifies libertarian, but like libertarians and Republicans are really not that far off. True. Um, if right, you're a libertarian and you're above good. the age of five, I don't take you seriously. I think you're kind of a dork. <laughs> That's what? just a little insight into my politics. Hot takes. <laughs> Hot takes. Um, but no. So <laughs> Kane first started wrestling in 1992 at Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Um, then moved on to the USWA and then WWE in 1995. Uh, he debuted in 1997 as the younger brother of The Undertaker. Um, when I was doing, when I was learning more about Kane, I realized that I've always, I've been, I used to watch wrestling during um, the Ruthless Aggression era, and I stopped until probably about a year ago. Fake fan. Fake fan. I'm, I'm super fake. I don't really know. I don't even watch WWE honestly or any wrestling event. I just Google it, look for the summary, and call it good. Just kidding. Um, Sparknotes wrestler. Yeah, I'm a Sparknotes wrestler, if you will. <laughs> um, but no, so um, I didn't realize how many times, like, Kane has been a 12-time tag team champion yeah. and yeah. only a three-time world champion. Um, I didn't realize how, like, he's such a big deal. But Never he always, been an IC champion. He always tags with just random-ass people. I don't think he's ever been an IC champion, right? I don't think he's held any mid-card title other than, like... No, he's a two-time IC champion. Oh, is he? Oh, is he? Yeah. oh yeah, I guess he's held a hardcore title, too. Yeah, he also won the he's Money in the Bank champion. once, yeah. so very important. In 2010, <laughs> and he yeah. beat Undertaker for it. Yeah, um, yeah, I didn't realize how big of a career as a tag team wrestler he had. I always thought, because you hear about Kane, you hear about Kane and you think about how sick he is, how cool, um, how you just hear about Kane, you don't hear about his tag team, but his tag team for generally just thrown together. Um, similar to Team Hell No with <laughs> Daniel Bryan and Kane. Oh. Brother, <laughs> Xbox and Xbox and King. Yeah, um, he is the Paul Bear's son, of course. R.I.P. Paul Bear. R.I.P. Um, that just started. Um, he f- debuted. He debuted. He debuted a few times. He debuted at Hell in the Cell once, and he also debuted in an episode of Raw too. And he debuted. I think that's it. Well, he debuted well, as Kane at yeah. uh, in your house, Hell in a Cell. Okay, yeah, yeah, Hell in a Cell. Yeah, because he what? tombstone the Undertaker. Yeah, which yeah, was he a big pulled apart. Yeah, that was a big deal where he pulled apart yeah. the door. Yeah, he yeah. the door. It's he got the door in the cell. Yep. Yeah, same way. That oh my God! It's gotta be Kane. It's gotta be Kane. Yep. Yeah. Um, he was also a dentist. Yeah. <laughs> and fun story. He also his original name was supposed to be Kane the Undertaker. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, he also has, um, apparently Vince McMahon wanted to have a two-foot dick for some reason. A what? A two-foot penis or <laughs> something. <laughs> Never heard of that. Sounds like something Vince McMahon would say. Definitely. Super sick. Um, Glenn Jacobs, your champ. Thanks for everything you do for Knox County. Um, he is my president. Yeah. Uh, he was separated. The So he basically started his career as the Paul Bear son feuding with um, Undertaker a little bit as the Undertaker was being a disrespectful little shit to his father, Paul, Paul Bear. Um, then they started the Brother Destruction, and they separated the Brother Destruction in 2002. I thought this was really cool the way they did it, which was with the draft. They had drafted them with two different brands. And now with the draft coming back, I kind of would like to see them start doing that a little bit more. Uh, if there's a tag team, it's kind of thrown together. Like, all, honestly, like Bob, like Robert Roode and, and Dolphin Ziggler would have been a perfect <laughs> opportunity to um, kind of swap that out. And I think kind of later towards, um, towards the end of Kane's career, before he came back as the authority, I kind of... I, I associate him as kind of like a mid card Undertaker. Yeah, Undertaker That's is really what he was. Perfect. Kane is Kane's cool, but he's like Kane and the Undertaker existing in the same company at the same time same is the worst. Was probably the worst thing for Kane to be a monster and stay a monster. Well, he was a monster in Raw, and Undertaker was a monster in SmackDown. SmackDown. Yeah, and that's yeah. how it worked. Yeah, but then at that time is when SmackDown was ruling. Raw, as far as more quality content, mm-hmm. um, as far as the, like the wrestling and the yep. storylines would go, 
I've, I remember specifically watching SmackDown way more than I would Raw. Oh, yeah. And I would see The Undertaker on SmackDown all the time, yeah. scared shitless, or be very confused when he would roll around in a fucking motorcycle. Yeah. Uh, uh, to Limbiscuit. To Limbiscuit. Shout out Fred Durst. Yeah. <laughs> big, the big homie Dursty. Dude, shout out to the movie, uh, this is off topic, but shout out to the movie uh, Fanatic, which was directed by uh, Fred Durst and John Travolta was in it. Uh, really weird. It's not a good movie, but <laughs> if you have some time, uh, watch it just for some weird, random Limbiscuit plug in the middle of the movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, But that's the thing, too. It's yeah. like, I think the biggest part of that time was when he got demasked. Yeah. And I remember quite literally watching that happen, being so fucking shook. Yeah. And then watching Raw the next week, and when Kane would come out, I would literally walk out of the room. Yeah. Like, quite literally, I was fucking scared shitless. Yeah. And then looking back at it now, I was like, dude, he just took his mask off and shaved his eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> and shaved his head and then wore, wore different colored contacts. Yep. Also, yeah, but he never really had his head, like, he never really had hair in the first place. Well, no, because, like, when he head. took off his mask, he had, like, the bald-headed back here. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I then, like, that. it was like that, yeah. and then they shaved it, and so, like, this was stubbly, and then they'd bick up here. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he'd have, like, the George Costanza, where he'd have, like, yeah. scrubble, scr- uh, scruff on the side and back of his head, but on top, they'd bick it, so that would be completely bald. It was, like, half too yeah super fucking weird yeah. yeah i wonder how he would you know just walk around in normal life like that dude he with, was yeah with with no eyebrows he shaved his eyebrows and then i remember like when he took the mask <coughs> off um he had part of the makeup the black mm-hmm. makeup and yeah. then I, I don't know why i was i don't know i gotta have been in like an elementary school at the time well i, mean, I was fucking shitting myself yeah I, I quite literally would stop watching raw because of that well i mean before glenn jacobs started being the mayor of knox county and being this nice personable guy and a 24 7 champion sorry i didn't mention True. that's another title he held um but before he started being a nice personable guy and being with the authority he was he is he, he's a scary looking person yeah, but yeah, now that you see him and you realize that he's a libertarian and you can't really expect any like respect <laughs> his political views. Like you don't, you realize that like he's really just a same dumbass as everyone else. And he supported Alex Jones. Yeah, he's just as big of a dumbass. He's as just a big old else. dumb grandpa, dude. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, that's Kane. That's a quick summary of Kane. Um. I didn't really have enough time to go super deep into Kane, but I also kind of didn't want to. A couple of really funny side notes about Kane. I know an obnoxious amount of, amount about Kane for some reason. Hell yeah! Don't ask me why. Before Kane. Came to the WWE as uh, the dentist, Dr. Isaac Yankum DDS. Hell yeah. Before that, when he was wrestling in like IWA and USAW mm-hmm. and stuff, he was the Christmas creature. <laughs> and so, like, he looked like he was a horror, supposed to be a horror character, mm-hmm. but he'd show up as like wearing green and like have uh, his arms would be covered in like candy cane, uh, uh-huh. red and white stripes, and yeah. he had like a Grinch face. Mm-hmm. And he used like a a mix between like the claw and the choke slam as a finisher. Yeah. Super weird. And didn't Gallo didn't Gallows yeah, sub so, in for Kane? Yeah, so the something? funny thing is, is in two thousand six Luke Gallows had just left developmental mm-hmm. and they were like, hey, you're gonna be Kane. So mm-hmm. we're gonna run this angle because it's around the time that Suno Evil came out. Yeah. Um Kane, Kane, Glenn Jacobs was thinking about retiring at that time. Mm-hmm. And so what they were gonna do is they were gonna have um Luke Gallows as the fake Kane beat Kane and then come out and say, oh, I've been Kane this whole time. Glenn Jacobs is an imposter. And so that's how they're going to get longevity out of Kane. But then Kane decided not to retire, so they got rid of that whole angle. Okay. And now it's 13 years later, and Kane is basically retired. Kind of. He was a 24-7 champ a couple weeks ago, though. So Without doing any wrestling. Um, he got a pin. 
<laughs> he pinned our truth the 56-time 24-7 champion, Bryson. You put some respect on Kane's name right now. <laughs> Hell yes. But yeah, moving on? Yeah, let's move on. All right. So uh, I went ahead and picked... Somebody who was not in the WWE for very long, nor did he really have anything meaningful in the WWE whatsoever. Kind of a weirdo. Remember seeing him on SmackDown, being like, what the fuck is this albino doing in my front screen? Um, He was just a white dude who dyed his hair and his eyebrows and his beard blonde, and then had a different gimmick later. But uh, I picked Kevin Thorne, first known as Mordecai, then known as Kevin Thorne in ECW. But yeah, so he debuted in 2004. Um, his debut match was in pay-per-view, actually, on Judgment Day 2004 against Scotty Tuhati. You yeah. look really excited. I fucking love this match. Is that Mordecai <laughs> or is that Kevin Thorne? No, Mordecai. it was Mordecai. So he, Mordecai. So he okay. came into the WWE as Mordecai. Okay. So he was in OVW, um, was there for quite some time, mm. um, back in like 2002, 2003. Yeah. Um, and then came up on to like he had started having vignettes. Uh, he was this kind of um, guy who was like tr- supposed to like rid the WWE of sin, and that's why he's all white because yeah. he's pure of sin or whatever. It's so sick. Um, so yeah, he 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 had a match in Judgment Day two thousand four with Scotty Too Hotty. I don't even know what to consider that match. It was just so it fucking was, weird. It's amazing. It's, it's so fucking like. It's so good. Yeah. But, um, so if you know it's a five star, thing gives it a five star. Yeah, it's just like if you just want to see some weird shit happening, just watch the match. Well, if like, you don't want to, like, it's okay, it's it's somewhat uncomfortable, but not yeah. really. Dude, like, his razor's edge finisher is so I was about to say, uh, side note, um, but honestly, one of the best crucifix bomb crucifix bombs or jackknife bombs or whatever you want to call them yeah. in the WWE well, because like, what he would do he would he would grab him by the shoulders like mm-hmm. under under the armpit like you would see right yeah lift him over his head and then normally what people would do is just throw mm-hmm. but he would actually come down yeah um kind of like what um what Razor Ramon did yeah but he would throw it with more intensity mm-hmm. and they would high uh, they would land higher up on their neck oh hell yeah so it would That's it would it would almost look like um like a German suplex like oh. a high angle German suplex bump okay but yeah. like forward yeah, oh, yeah Razor would just do it and just drop to his knees and then throw them mm-hmm. so it looked it looked really soft looked yeah soft, super soft yeah so yeah, yeah with Mordecai he would, it was like Seamus is before he did, uh, adopted the big boot yeah or the broken the kick. Celtic cross mm-hmm. the Celtic cross yeah uh he would literally follow through with it. It actually mm-hmm. looked like a... a yeah, but he, yeah, but Mordecai actually did it better than Seamus. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Personally. Much personally. Much personally. I, I actually remember when I was a little kid in California watching UPN to watch SmackDown because yeah. back yeah. when it was on UPN. It was on UPN. I yeah. actually remember when Mordecai came out and I was like, this guy's kind of cool. Like He's kind of yeah. weird, kind of scary, but like, like kind of cool. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Or Was that when Undertaker was coming out to... Was he the American Badass at no, that he point? Was no, he was, okay. a, he was a dead man at the time. They were supposed to... Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Anyways, but yeah, moving forward, um, cool. and then he actually kept going on and actually had another match on mm-hmm. pay per view at a Great American Bash in uh, two thousand four against Paul Pauly. Hell yeah! Um, another match that was just yeah, like he's one <laughs> of those. I feel like Mordecai is gonna forever be the one, the person, like the person that people think about how they could have booked him, and he could have been, he could have honestly been a been an Undertaker, been a Kane, been right someone super significant in the WWE. But he had the look. 
he yeah, just absolutely. no one everything I've watched about him like this is just like a little bit of research I've done on my own time but like everything I've seen about it no one can explain like why his push got stopped why he just stopped and why they didn't go forward with it but it's like gonna be something that forever I think wrestling like fans are gonna be talking about like he's definitely right. gonna be a misconnection yeah, yeah and so what I what I ended up watch, um, looking into uh, he actually spoke about this is he was supposed to have a push with the Undertaker yeah, yeah. Uh, later on in his career mm-hmm. um because he actually got released in 2005. Yeah. Like, there wasn't really much going for him in, in that time, I guess. And so he got released in 2005. He actually, well, he he got released, but then ended up back in, like, OVW and stuff. Okay. Um, and then came back in 2006 mm-hmm. um, for ECW. Okay. So yeah. they revamped ECW. Mm-hmm. Then he came back as Kevin Thorne, which was this, like, vampire-y, like, yeah. spooky dude. Yeah. So basically, like, like Father, Father James Tr- uh Mitchell, James Charles. yeah, yeah, father, James father, father James Charles. You mean Daddy yes. James Charles? Yeah, Daddy. Oh, yeah, sisters. <laughs> hey, sisters, what's up? Uh, no, <laughs> Father James Mitchell. If he was like buff mm-hmm. and like could wrestle, yeah, but with more of like a vampire kind of look. Um, and then he had uh, Ariel, <sighs> which apparently Bryson is in love with. Oh, AKA, she was she- Shelly Martinez. Well, she yeah. was basically like a Puerto Rican like yeah. girl. When I had the network, I actually watched their match at some pay per view with them tag teaming against um, CM Punk and uh, CM Punk and Francis. Uh, no, it was uh, a girl. Kelly? No, it was. I think it was Kelly Kelly, but I don't think so it was Mike Knox. I think it would. Yeah, it was or Mike was it was it Francine? It was Francine, right? No, no, he no, leaves because Kelly Kelly was flirting with Jeff Hardy. Yeah, Jeff Hardy, aka Willow, aka. Brother Nero, um, speak, keep it spooky. <laughs> yeah, she was flirting with him, and then uh, the guy left and just left her in the ring to get yeah, destroyed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but yeah. that was uh, December, December, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, one of the what? best, yeah. one of yeah. the best pay per views in WWE yeah. history. They, the they, top rated, the, the most bought, the most watched, the, the most, uh, so, the most sellouts. Yeah. Fuck WrestleMania. Still got a better buyout than the, the last ROH paper. The know. only reason I think the only reason I <laughs> exactly think, that's why I said it's one of the best of all time. The only reason I watched it was because I was doing other things and I was looking for a pay per view that I knew was going to be bad that I did not have to pay attention to and that was the one that most people recommended. So <laughs> Dude, it's so funny because that could have been so cool because like that was supposed to be CM Punk's like coronation and like, yeah. ECW's main guy. Yeah, yeah because like, he was oh, also. Well, we're gonna have you job out in five minutes. Yeah, because he was also part of that stable with like Elijah Burke and stuff, well, and no, and he was actually Kevin. Well, no, movie. he was part of it for literally two weeks and then turned his back on him. Hell I yeah. I did my research, Hell so um, because Kevin Thorne was part of that the that movie, stable. Right. Yeah. yeah, so it was like him, uh, Elijah Burke. Marcus uh, Corvon. Yeah, Marcus Corvon, and then CM Punk joined it for a little bit and then turned his back on him. Wasn't Matt Striker in there too? I think he was. Yeah. I think he was. Oh, yeah. um, it was such a. It was like. Yeah. I was. I got him mixed up. <laughs> yeah. Not yet, dude. No right. respect on Matt Stryker's name. I'm sorry. I, was, I really liked his commentary on Lucha Underground. <laughs> yeah. He's so good. He's yeah. So good. And um, anyways, going back, um, Kevin Thorne Den- returned in 2006 to ECW. Um, he actually had his his first match with uh, Guido, aka Nunzio. Hell yeah. Or Guido. yeah, little Guido. Even though on commentary they just call him Guido yeah. for some reason. Um, and then it was this weird thing because during the middle of the match, I was watching this match earlier today. Um, <coughs> uh, Ariel just comes up on the apron, like comes up, calls for Kevin Thorne, like all sexually, and then just literally puts her fingers in his, or puts his fingers in her mouth. Given that she was giving herself a mandible claw, right? 
Just kidding. Sure. <laughs> sure. If you if if you wanna if you wanna, wanna you know technical. if you wanna get technical, sure. Oh, it was a very soft, yeah. uh, very sensual, manable claw. Yeah. Um, to to Ariel. Levels of manable claw. Don't you guys understand? <laughs> Fair enough. And so he just goes back and he's like, "Fuck it." Shout out to quick second. Shout out to Nunzio or Guido. The man could literally sell his ass off. Oh yeah. He could sell his ass off. He's like my height, which is like five seven. But goddamn. Five seven, sure. What? Do you think are you giving are you giving me shit or Nunzio shit? Because let's be honest, dude. You. Oh, fuck off. Five, I am five seven, fuck off. Um wearing <laughs> two inch lifts. Where? <laughs> I'm wearing flat shoes. Anyways, shout out to Nunzio, shout out to FBI, shout out to the um his stable in SmackDown. I don't know what they were called. The FBI. Oh, was it the FBI? Oh, no, they but I thought it was... It was Italians. Yeah, but then didn't they have a different uh, stable in ECW? Yeah, it was the FBI. Really? Yeah. No, I thought it was something else. Uh-huh. Well, anyways, uh-huh. but yeah, shout out to the FBI. Um, not quite literally the FBI, but the full-blooded Italians. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Kevin Bird Thorne, he was, he, was, uh, <laughs> he was actually getting like steady time in ECW mm-hmm. basically every week. Yeah. Uh, and then he was actually supposed to have a feud with The Undertaker in 2008, hmm. um, which was kind of later on. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, I think, I don't know if this was this time. I Actually, it was this time, I remember. Um, he actually got in a fight, a drunken fight, oh. and uh, there was a lawsuit, and he got released. So that was the reason why. Um, it could have been so cool. And, like, Mordecai is a character that, like, I feel like in the future they might try to reboot it at some point, but I feel like it's done for, and it's such a bummer. Yeah. You could it's just th- hard to do, like... Um, religious stuff. religious gimmicks unless yeah. it's like the evil side of the religion yeah do more it's like Satanist gimmicks like Oscar Black I guess this is technically a Satanist gimmick but like stuff like that like Undertaker yeah. like spooky, spooky kind of like atheist gimmicks are yeah. well I mean AJ Styles is basically the modern day Mordecai pretty much he is super Christian and <laughs> wants to rid the world of <laughs> I'm surprised that AJ Styles and Randy Orton haven't created just like some far right Republican conservative tag team I'm the Bring U.S. The- I'm the U.S. champ. I'm proud of that shit. This means more to me than Universal Championship. I uh, want. AJ- I represent the United States of yeah, America. Yeah, God damn it. Yeah, I want AJ to. Oh, actually- God dang it. <laughs> Gosh darn it. Gosh darn it, dude. <laughs> you old fart. God dang it. And then they'll bring back Big Cass as a heater. AJ Styles is the new Mordecai. <laughs> a, next a WrestleMania. A fucking stable of goddamn Trump's AJ Styles, voice. Randy Orton, and fucking Big Cass. Holy Dude. shit. Ugh. Fuck that. <laughs> they'll, they'll call him the Big Red. Yeah. And then they'll start a leftist stable with uh, Bre- Daniel Bryan, Sami Zayn, and... Alistair I don't even, Black. Yeah, Alistair Black. I was going to say, I don't even know if any, any wrestlers really outspoken. Alistair Black's me. pretty hashtag woke. Hell yeah. Seth. Seth. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> I hate like I, he watched the thirteenth and was like, guys, this is a b- groundbreaking documentary. Like everybody should watch this. Like shout out to BLM. So like, like he was really trying to fucking push that. Like dude, I really love black people so much. Please watch this. No wonder why he was a fucking captain of Team Hogan. He also yeah. he also dated a Nazi. <laughs> so like Seth Rollins is wait like, who. Uh, the same girl that she dated. Yeah, she, she dated, was a Nazi? She dated Sonya Deville. Yeah, dude, she had fucking Nazi paraphernalia and shit in her room. Yeah. She posted a picture like, on Instagram. She had, like, a fucking... The, uh... The fucking eagle flag or whatever it was. Oh, gross. And then she had, like... With, uh, like, the swastika on it? Yeah. Oh, God. Dude, okay, yeah. So, like, the more I see Seth Rollins tweets, the more I fucking hate him. Like, I don't like... Wow, so you hate black people? I hate Seth Rollins. <laughs> like, I don't like Seth Rollins at all. Like, his most recent tweet where he's wearing, like, 
He quoted a tweet because he's mad about Jr. saying that uh, Becky's more over than him, which is fucking true because he's a fucking nerd. (laughs) But like, he got he posted this tweet today of him wearing like floaties, stupid glasses, a hairnet, or some bullshit, and going to the pool or something. He said, "Well, you're not as over your fiance, but you're trying to fuck off, dork. Shut the fuck up." I love how passionately he hates fucking Seth. I love this tangent, and I'm not stopping. I fucking hate Seth Rollins right now. Like, (laughs) turn him heel or fucking get him off TV. Seth Rollins great again. Yeah, Seth dude, Seth turn him back into Tyler Black, dude. Tyler, Seth, I love Tyler. Fucking parentheses, I love black people. Yeah, God. Seth Rollins <laughs> is gonna get a skin fade and come back as a proud boy. Dude, <laughs> I really hope he does. God. I really want somebody to be like a proud boy and like come openly out. racist. Yeah, like I want. Bryson, you really? What, what are you trying to tell me here? You, can, you can't like tell me. Wrestler if they you can't tell me that if like Heath Slater came out rocking a fucking sturdy <laughs> fucking. Polo shirt with like skin tight fucking boots and rocking docks and talking about how fucking how men women should stay in the kitchen and make sandwiches and they're only good for babies <gasps> and transition into intergender wrestling and the man comes out and breaks his fucking See, arm. But you can't tell me that yes. if some <laughs> if he sort of walked out looking like a proud boy and then had somebody like Daniel Bryan come out and just like pop him in the mouth. Yeah. Tell me you wouldn't pop for that. Well, you can't have T- Heath Slater do it though because he's got kids. I said like Heath Slater. He's got kids. So though. who? I don't fucking know Randy Orton maybe. Dude, Mojo Rawley's not doing anything. Yeah, Mojo Rawley's a perfect proud boy. Give him a fucking triple XL Sperry. It's uh, let the girl's hair out a little bit. Fucking yeah. Give him some weird fucking stuff to come. You mean Fred Perry? Yeah. Yeah, Fred Perry. All right, let's get this uh, episode back on the train. It's not my fault. And uh, Bryson, your next wrestler you're going to talk about? My next wrestler is going to be Willow. Willow. Just kidding. It's Pentagon Junior. Wow. Fucking Willow. And the reason I chose Pentagon Junior is because. He's a fucking undead Mexican ninja. Samurai. Samurai. It's fucking same thing. Different. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. You guys are going to cancel me on Twitter now? Yep. Let's get it. You want, do you want to know about the differences between ninjas and samurais right now? I can explain it for you. Ninjas were generally peasants attacking in the night, whereas samurais were Shut imperial. up, you fucking nerd. <laughs> we get it. You're going for a master's degree. Yeah, we get it. Luchasaurus okay, looking ass. Dude. Uh, as soon as I get my master's, I'm gonna start <laughs> wrestling and become. Anyways, I'm, I'm gonna be Baby Saurus. Yeah, we have we have a somebody who's on gra- their fucking grad school. Grad school, and then we have two college dropouts. True. Sorry, I'm an <laughs> academic. Fuck the, what I learned early in academia. Shut the fuck up, dude. You deep woke motherfucker. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, Pentagon Junior is super sick because he's also Pentagon Dark and Pentagon and Penta L Zero M, and Zero Miedo is cool. Yeah, Penta O N, <laughs> the innovator of the uh, Escalera Blamuerte match, which was so cool. <laughs> yeah, but he's just he's super cool. I mean, he breaks bones. He's a, the breaker of bones, as they call him in Lucha Underground. Mm-hmm. He's the undead samurai. Fuck you. He's. Uh, he's just he's awesome he brings all the coolest elements of like Dia de los Muertos and Muertos Dia de los Muertos that I'm white sorry I'm not <laughs> luckily but they they combine all the best parts of that along with like Lucha Libre plus like what I loved about him in Lucha Underground is it brought that like Rudo's 70's Mexican Lucha Libre movie kind of feel to it mm-hmm. cause I mean in Mexico every Lucha Libre star is bunch of movies mm-hmm. he just feels like he'd be in like one of those gritty like grindhouse kind of movies mm-hmm. 
So has he only stayed independent his whole career? He's what? never he's never even like went to PC or anything in no. WWE PC anything. No. He's been because no. I know he's he's been in has he been in Impact at all? Or yeah. Is he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was so an Impact World Champ. He, he was in Impact. Year. He's been in MLW. He's been in Lucha Underground. He was signed to AAA. He signed to AEW now. Like he's only he's like one of those guys who just stayed outside of WWE, which I like. Pretty much. I mean, yeah, the WWE wanted to offer him in Phoenix contracts, but everybody, every like Latino wrestler that employs that is employed by the WWE was like, don't do it. Yeah, all the Lucha House Party like openly tweeted him with no <laughs> tagging the WWE too because yeah, they love talking shit on the WWE. <laughs> um, but Pentagon super sick. He's super versatile. He's he's a great technical wrestler. He works awesome as a face or a heel. He's a great death deathmatch wrestler as signified by his stuff in Impact with uh, Sammy Callahan. Mm-hmm. He had a hair versus mask match against Sammy Callahan. Callahan got his head shaved. Um, his death match against Vampiro in Lucha Underground was amazing. Berta will get further into that. Yeah. Um, he's just super versatile, but he's also the kind of wrestler that you could introduce somebody to and give them fucking nightmares. <laughs> yeah. Because he does, he has that, like, very, especially, well, not so much anymore now, but, like, when he was in Lucha Underground, he had that very dark aura about him, mm-hmm. which was super sick. And, like, especially when he matched up with, like, Neil Mortes, who... He's also spooky in his own right. It was super cool. I don't know. Pentagon's just one of those guys that's spooky. That like you, you could watch one of his matches anytime and make it feel like Halloween. Mm-hmm. He is the Jack Skellington of professional wrestling. That makes sense because he's usually uh, you, his his gear is usually black and white. Yeah, yeah. He's Sometimes a, he'll wear like that black and gold, which yeah, is the black and gold, like yeah. the solid, yeah. It's gonna, black be, and red. it's gonna be sick to see him holding the AEW tag team titles because I would like the Lucha Bros to win over SDU. <laughs> SCU. I, SCU. SCU, my bad, not SCU. I think SCU's gonna win because of the whole Scorpio Sky dynamic. But that's the talk for another day. Okay. But yeah, anything else about Pentagon Jr.? Other than the fact that Cielo Miedo was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And his matches in PWG need to be watched. Uh, yes, yeah. watch him in PWG, him and Phoenix. I think I watched it. I saw some of his stuff in uh, Progress, too. Progress. Yeah, super solid. Uh, or it might have been he, Beyond. Dude, he made his rounds like all over the place. Yeah, yeah, from like 2014 and tail into 2014 to like now is when he's blown up. Because like yeah. before then, like you... We just you stayed in Mexico. Pretty much, yeah, AAA. AAA, uh, yeah. Champion. Yep. All right, now for my final pick. This is actually my favorite, so when I said that this wasn't in order, um, for my list at least, it might be wrong. I do like Kane. So yeah, my list is wrong. This was in order, so it's Sue Young, Kane, and now my favorite heel of all time, Keishin fucking Liger. So sick. Only appeared four times. Jushin Thunder Liger's um, alter ego. Ugh, I just, I, I really got into him because I saw his feud with Minoru Suzuki. Um, I... <laughs> I was so excited, and then I saw Keishin come out, and I was like, who the hell is this guy? So I started digging more into it and learning more about him, and um, he's basically, when anything happens to Jushin's mask, Keishin comes out and tries to kill his opponent, and it's so cool. Um, So just a quick timeline, the very first time that Keishin came out was in 1996 against the Great Muda. Um, It's on YouTube. I watched the match the other day. So cool. Um... (laughs) Basically, uh, Muda unmasks um, Jushin. He sprays green mist in him and then pulls out the same spike that he used in the... Some weird spike. I don't know what it is, but... It's a spike. Yeah, he always has a spike and he tries to murder his opponents with it. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so that happened the very first time. Then in 2006, it came out again against um, bad boy Hypo, uh, Hido. 
he cut his he cut Jushin's hair and then Jushin uh seek, sought revenge sought revenge yeah. seeked revenge anyway sought, sought revenge. revenge master's degree what the fuck <laughs> anyway <laughs> yeah he um seek revenge seeked revenge he won with uh sought revenge won with a brain buster onto a steel chair so it's basically just Jushin no longer having to be a face and wrestle it politely and now this is a way of him being pretty fucking brutal and um <laughs> if anything he probably could say something about like the mask is what keeps Kishin in yeah yeah that's kind of the cool thing about it and then um up next we he came out in 2012 against Tai Chi which is a fucking waste of time because fuck Tai Chi forever <laughs> Tai Chi and Seth Rollins are the two wrestlers I hate most in this world and fuck Tai Chi if you like Tai Chi don't listen to this podcast and go <laughs> Fuck yourself. Dude, Tai Chi's so sick. Dude, Tai Chi is not sick. Tai Chi is so sick. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. Tai Chi's not sick. He's an emo fucking crybaby. That's Dude, he literally cry looks baby. like he, he was like part of Final Fantasy. An emo crybaby who couldn't fucking stay as a junior because he couldn't stop fucking eating so much. He just wanted to be a heavyweight so he can not watch his fucking diet. He's a dork. Fuck Tai Chi. Fuck his bullshit singing. I hate him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then the, la- the final... Appearance of Kishin, like I said earlier, was with this feud with Suzuki. Minoru Suzuki took off Jushin's mask. Um, uh, it's been within the past two months. Took off his mask, talked about how he wanted to um, make some soup out of Jushin Liger's mask. Very cool promo. Watch the promos along with this, too. Um, I know I tend to forget to watch the uh, New Japan backstage promos, but like, if you want to understand this feud between um, Jushin and Minoru, uh, Minora. Minoru. Watch <laughs> Suzuki. Suzuki, yeah. yeah. Just watch um <laughs> watch the backstage stuff because Suzuki starts cutting these promos where he's talking about how he's just sick of it. He wants a real match. He doesn't want these like bullshit matches. Um he wants like a setup match. Um and yeah, it was really cool. Kishin came out, tried to stab him with a little steak again, didn't do it, and um Suzuki actually ran away, which made Suzuki look kind of uh Silly. So a little bit, not silly, but, but it's like. Healed. But, you also, yeah. but you also have to remember the legend that is a, revolves around Keishan Liger. I mean, that's basically like. He's quite literally a murderer. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a demon. He's yeah. a demonic Japanese ghoul. Yeah, that's what he is, which is so, so cool. I mean, I'd, I'd fucking run from that. Yeah. I don't know anybody that wouldn't run from but that. But that's also heel tactic. You know what I mean? Like, the heels aren't going to stay and pick a fight. They'll mm-hmm. be like, you want to fight? Just kidding. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Keishin Liger stuff's really cool. We're probably never going to see him again. This was probably the last one. I don't know. He might make an appearance at Wrestle Kingdom, so hold your breath. I don't see how. But um, the Suzuki feud, just so everyone gets a little nice cap on that, um, it ended with Battle Liger coming out and Suzuki beating him because Suzuki is... Me. Suzuki might be the scariest wrestler of well, all time. Well, it doesn't help. <laughs> well, it helps that they like push the Gotch pile driver. Yeah, as one of the mo- one of the most devastating finishers. Mm-hmm. And at this point, they might as well just rename it the Suzuki pile driver because nobody remembers Carl Gotch for that. Which would be really cool. But yeah, um, I'm a big fan of Jushin Liger in general. Big fan of Kishin Liger. Um, I really w- want to see him one more time before he retires, but I'm not getting my hopes up. I'm honestly going to say that we're never going to see him again, and if he comes back to Wrestle Kingdom, I'll let you all know how stoked I am when we talk about Wrestle Kingdom, and then you can all go check it out. So, that'll work out perfectly. Wait for January. Wait for January. Yep, just wait, wait we, for January. We're going to live stream Wrestle Kingdom, by the way, but uh, no details to come on that. I mean... Let's let's not get ahead we're gonna, of ourselves. We're so we'll hope we'll hope to do that. We're gonna live stream us watching sure. Wrestle Kingdom, and then at three a.m. when we're all asleep, we're gonna live stream us taking a little snooze. Sure. <laughs> yeah, if it happens. It happens. Yep, so. that's true. So yeah, Keishan Liger's fucking sick. Moving on, Birdo. Who is your next pick? My last 
but certainly certainly not least <laughs> is Vampiro, as Bryson rudely would fucking how dare he speak on behalf of me. Hey, that just shows how stick to the script we are with each other. That I knew that you picked that. You knew I would pick Abyss. No Vampiro. <laughs> Even though I already told you guys, like, a few days ago? I don't, do you think I really paid that close attention to the group chat? You fucking shit. I don't. I literally have to go back and read, like, 30 pages of shit because I don't pay attention. <laughs> wow, tell me how you really fucking unless, it, unless people are talking about me, I don't care. <laughs> That's Alright, so this podcast is now transitioning to a Bryson podcast. So, Bryson, <laughs> where were you born? Where did you grow up? Let's talk about your history. Well, no, I mean, actually, fuck him. Anyways, <laughs> going back to me... Uh, and my pick, Vampiro, super sick, uh, basically, um, was a part of, <laughs> I guess you could say the Misfits, because <laughs> of his character. Uh, I remember just kind of watching him, uh, in Lucha first, uh, Lucha Underground as just a color commentator. He was really sick. He knew he, what he was talking about. Uh, I don't like his commentary at really? all. Really? Yeah. I, I do. hate it. I, I, okay, honestly though, I've it's watched. It's very insightful though. Here's here's the amount of Lucha Underground I've watched, just so everyone understands. <laughs> and it's it's growing as I as the weeks go on because I'm gonna probably start watching more because I've been enjoying the third season. But I've watched the first two episodes and then I've watched the first three episodes of third season. So far, I've not liked Vampiro at all, and that's probably because I haven't watched that much. But I'm also just not impressed with him at all. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fine. <laughs> but I mean, I, I I personally like his commentary. Good I can see why you don't. But hey. It is what it is. He is a Canadian dude. Yeah. Uh, who actually just ended up going to Mexico. <laughs> Which is sick. Yeah. I, I was actually watching a, an interview earlier today where he was like, yeah, I was going through some rough shit. Um, I was touring with a band doing like punk and shit. Um, and he was in LA and somebody told him about wrestling. He's like, all right, well, you either got two options, go to Japan or you go to Mexico. He's yeah. like, well, fuck it. Mexico is like super close. I'm just going to go to Mexico. Yeah. Flew to Mexico City, met some people there, and he ended up getting linked with um, basically like the brother of the owner of CMLL. Okay. Um, just randomly in the street. That's cool. And he was like, all right, sick. And he just started training there. Um, and it was really cool because I actually was able to watch some early stuff of him. He's It's kind of weird because he has like these weird dreads. Okay. Like and this was like early '90s, so it was like 90, yeah. uh, this was 1991 for CMLL. Mm. Um, he was tagging with Ultimate Dragon. Oh hell yeah! And yeah. the picture I've googled from like him actually wrestling in Mexico doesn't he doesn't wear a mask, does he? He paints no. his face. He more. painted his face more. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So it was just like that white with black kind of like mm. um, misfits, the uh, yeah. black metal kind of face paint. Yeah, that's what I've seen. I just I because he's so involved in Lucha Underground, I thought he was an actual Luchador, which kind of like threw me off. But no, yeah. he he. Uh, I mean. Uh, he trained with the Lucha Libre style, but yeah. by no means did he ever keep that as his mainstay. Okay. Um, if anything, it was very ground-based, mm-hmm. um, which was really cool just to kind of see that dynamic with the uh, Lucha Libre style. Yeah. Because he would be more ground-based. He would do super, like, he would do, like, um, he reminds me of Aleister Black a lot. Okay. As far as his striking, his kicks. He he would do a lot of those, like, spinning roundhouse yeah, kicks, like those, roundhouse uh, kicks. like those, like, those heel, yeah. those heel kicks. Okay. Um, super sick. He had this match I was watching on uh, Nitro with Hubit uh, Tuta Guerrero. Okay. Um, actually a decent match. Yeah. Uh, I was watching it on YouTube. It's actually on YouTube, which is sick. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, he, his movement, his moving mm-hmm. style, he had some hints of like those, that um, 
kind of like Kenny where he has those like quick bursts okay. of, of um, like just agility uh-huh. and it reminded me of that so much and I, I, I was watching that um, he actually had some like weird feuds though with uh, Conan yeah <laughs> um, they actually had heat back in the day when uh-huh. when um, they were both still in Mexico in the mid 90s okay. because uh, what ended up happening was Vampiro fucking blew up because of his look yeah people were like super confused but then also he was able to relate to the up and coming like punk scene in Mexico in the mm-hmm. mid 90s so a lot of people um were really up on him he was actually supposed to be on like soap operas and stuff hell yeah uh but then it was weird because he got like heat with Conan because uh I guess they picked Conan before him and he got like big mad oh and he was like I was supposed to be the rock star yeah not you Huh. But so, then, so yeah. he mostly wrestled in Mexico and then came to WCW. Yeah, that's that's basically that's his it. transition. I mean, he did have some big Japan um, okay. stuff, like just through tours, um, going through Mexico. He'd go to like all Japan, big Japan, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there really isn't anything online that I was able to find yeah. of matches him in in Japan, unfortunately. Um, but from what I saw, is like that's kind of how he was starting to get linked with like Great Muda. Okay. Um, and then that led to them teaming up in WCW, cool. um, and they won the tag champion. Hell yeah. Um, honorable mention also that I forgot to mention is Great Muda. Great Muda's yeah, super sick, pretty scary. He's like, a, he's a well. scary wrestler. He's he really good. So, so sick. Yeah. Basically the creator of the Last Chancery. Yep. Yeah. Or the Moodle Lock. The Moodle Lock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck the Last Chancery. Fuck off the Aries. All right, dude. Whatever. But, uh, yeah, um, some good matches. Like I mentioned, that um, it was like a trios match in CMLL 91. You can find it. It's uh, uh-huh. it's uh, Vampiro, Ultimo Dragon, and Octagon versus... Oh, man, I don't remember the other three. I didn't write it down. But um, it kind of reminds me of the tag teams now, just because there is no, there's no tags. It mm-hmm. kind of gets a little convoluted sometimes, but it kind of re- reels it back in, cool. which is cool. Um yeah, I mean, if you want to watch his stuff in WCW, his single stuff was really cool. Um, the feuds with Sting, which was pretty cool, even though, like, it was, like, whiteface versus whiteface. Oh, yeah. Um, which, it, you, can, you can definitely see that Sting totally stole his face paint from, from Vampiro, even though it was the Krell. Um, yeah. But, R. yeah. R.I.P. Brandon Lee. Sorry. <laughs> Every time I hear about the Krell, I have to give him a moment of silence for Brandon Lee. Yeah. yeah. And, um... Yeah, he would have... Uh, funny enough, now he works for AAA as a director of talent. Oh, really? Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, and, and recently, uh, I think was within the last few months, uh, Juventude Guerrero came out and like cut this heel promo in Mexico because he has this like, new stable called Max. Huh. And, um, and Vampiro came out and he was like basically cussing in Spanish, and it was so sick. That's super sick. <laughs> yeah, because he's very fluent in Spanish, funny enough. Yeah, which I noticed from the Lucha Underground commentary. Like, he's really fluent in Spanish, but when I Googled, like, more about him, I thought he was, like, from Mexico. Oh. And no. I'm like, this Canadian guy is just super familiar yeah. with Spanish as a language, which yeah. is cool. Yeah, he, he just spent a lot of time in Mexico and yeah. wrestling nothing but um, Latin and Mexican wrestlers. Yeah. And obviously you just have to adapt. Mm-hmm. He said his piece of advice if you're going to Mexico to wrestle is to get a, a Mexican girlfriend. That way you learn Spanish really quickly. Makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, color commentator for Lucha Underground. He's the director of talent for AAA. Um, kind of going back to his like matches, he had a short feud with Raven in 2003 in TNA. Yeah, um, like... And then they had they culminated their feud with a Blood Gallows of Retribution match, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically just like this weird dock collar stipulation where they had like four dock collars in the corner of the rings, and the whole point was like to basically choke out your opponent. 
Huh. With those dot colors. Yeah, one day, one day we're going to get into the weird matches that TNA had because um, <laughs> I've been watching some Impact stuff on their YouTube and there's some really cool, weird matches. The that, Reverse Battle Royal. Yeah. Fuck a reverse Battle Royal. I want to <laughs> have an episode where we go into all the weird-ass matches that uh, TNA had. The fucking X-Escape matches. Fucking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, it was basically just like a no-DQ match but with dot colors in every corner, which Hell makes, yeah. like, no sense. But, like, it, it, it made for, like, cool spots, like, just, like, hanging toking spots. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. Instead of using a rope, you have a dog collar. Um, the match was all right. It was, it was pretty solid. I mean, if you want to go back and watch it, it's just Raven being a hardcore dude. You know, it is what it is. Um, and, of course, what we were talking about earlier with probably being his, ma- his best match in his entire career, from what I've seen at least, is yeah. um, Vampiro versus Pentagon Jr. in Lucha Underground. Has a uh, Cero Miedo match. Also, just whatever reason why they called it that it was just no DQs false yeah. count anywhere yeah. uh, I don't think it actually was false count anywhere no, but it was, it was just it was just a no DQ match it was match. no DQ yeah um, so it was, yeah it was basically an unsanctioned match yeah basically an unsanctioned uh, and yeah as you mentioned unsanctioned match yeah. but no DQ uh, they just called it settle me over because it's, Pentagon I, I wish um, it would have been a WMD match yeah but uh, overall <laughs> really brutal he came out looking like Ghost which is sick hell yeah um, yeah, the upside down fucking crosses. Yeah, just coming out like at a pope and shit. Oh, like, like the ghost of Bam. Yeah, like Bam. yeah, like Papa the, Emeritus. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know the dudes from Ghost, but, but he yeah, just came out like the main vocalist of Ghost with like the oh, pope yeah. head, like yeah. the pope hat, and like looking um, with like the white face and stuff like that, which was really cool. cool. Yeah, he didn't paint his face like normally, but he did hit like a skull. So basically, yeah, yeah like he did look like the dude from Ghost. Oh yeah, um, which yeah. was really sick. Cool. He bled a lot. He bled a lot. Like not Eddie Guerrero bad. Um, okay. but really fucking close. Yeah. <laughs> That's an idea for an episode in the future. We can do an episode based on the Muda scale. Muda scale being the scale on which it's measured how much blood a wrestler loses. Mm-hmm. Because of Great Muda. Great Muda used to blade like a motherfucker. Yeah. I think it'd be fun to do that. Because, I mean, you have so many different regions. You've got the stuff from Lucha. You've got the death matches from Japan. Japan. You've yeah. got... WWE the blading WWE, gone like wrong. John Cena, well, John Cena versus JBL where John Cena fucking bled a bucket worth of blood. There's just a bunch of Eddie. Blood matches. But yeah, Eddie. Um, yeah. There's ECW, so many matches. old ECW stuff. Yeah, there's Ooh. so many matches we could talk about that would go yeah. on the Muda scale. Yeah. But anyways, go ahead. Let's get into it. But yeah, that was basically it. I mean, as far as that match is concerned, mm-hmm. probably the best in his career, at least from what I've By seen. Far. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I wasn't able to go too deep into his WCW career um, just because there there was a, quite a bit. He was on some uh, pay-per-views. Like I mentioned, he was a tag champ with the Great Muda. Um, and he did have some singles uh, matches. But uh, overall, I mean, solid wrestler. He's still in the industry now. Unfortunately, from what I saw, he was just recently diagnosed with Alzheimer's, which yeah. is kind of shitty. How old um, is he? Uh, he's like in his fifty-seven, oh, wow. I think. He's yeah. like in his mid to late fifties. Um, but hopefully, you know, um, he can still kind of hang in there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, shout out mm-hmm. to Vampiro. Hell yeah. Well, I want to continue Vampiro for just a second because I also know a lot about him for some reason. Hell he yeah. did form a stable with ICP called yeah. the Dark Carnival. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, but he was part Jake. of the Fiend Club with the Misfits for a while, trying to help get the Misfits like uh, major exposure because he was a big fan of them. Yeah, he brought him um, into D- uh, WCW. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, and then J- yeah, he brought Jerry only and shit in. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, actually, right now uh, as a tangent, Drew just showed us a picture of uh, <coughs> Ren New Orton standing up and John Cena kind of coming up. Yeah, and his face is right into John, uh, Randy Orton's junk. Yeah, Randy Orton's uh, Instagram has gotten real weird, and if you want to check it's it really out, weird. I would. So I'm just gonna explain his Instagram because I saw this and I wanted an explanation, which is why I showed it to 
these guys. Um, so first of all, there's a picture of John Cena with the new movie where he's going to be a firefighter with Randy Orton kneeling next to the statue, the cutout with his hand Same around John Cena saying like, miss you, babe, with two hearts, which like, and he posted it on Twitter too. I yeah. Think. And knowing Randy Orton, like he's very homophobic, homophobic. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of weird. And then the next post is in this match with John Cena, and Randy Orton, bald Randy Orton. So baldy Orton. Um, <laughs> yeah. Eyebrow shaved. Randy yeah. As well. And, uh, John Cena is getting up and like, Hunty his, Orton. yeah, his mouth is like real close to Randy Orton's penis. And he says, thanks for the good times, JC. Real weird Twitter and uh, Instagram activity and social media activity that He's Randy Orton's been into. He, uh, Randy Orton's a college bro that never got out of the college bro phase. And he, well, he never went to college. On Twitch. But yeah, he's just that. <laughs> exactly. That's what a bro in college would do. Yeah. Hey, yo, Mike, let me get another beer so I can play these N-words. Yeah. Randy Orton is a, just a college bro. Like, I can see him every weekend playing fucking beer pong and flip-flops in a fucking he honestly probably, pants. He probably plays beer pong with his 16-year-old son. That's what I'm saying, dude. The fact that he has a 16-year-old son is weird to me. He probably has he, a... I think it was um, his wife's son, and he married... Oh, it's like his stepdad. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. But anyway... Because his, his daughter's like 10 or yeah. like 8 or some shit. But yeah, he's, he's also kinda, like barely like 36 or yeah, something. Yeah, he's 38. He's... Or yeah. 39 this year. I think he was Dude, it feels like he's been wrestling for like fucking 30 years. Well, he almost has. Dude, it'd be super... <laughs> no, it's, it's definitely been at least uh, 20. It'll so. be 20 years next year. Okay, Randy Orton's brought up too much on this podcast. But anyways... He um, said the N-word on Twitch, um, and anything else about Vampiro? Uh, yeah. yeah, so he did the Dark Carnival with ICP. <laughs> and he was oh, a yeah. champion for their uh, for the Insane For JCW for yeah, quite JCW. a while. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, well, because, yeah, uh, Shaggy G-Dope and Violent J wanted to break into the wrestling scene. Yeah. WCW brought him in with the promise of, like, showing a bunch of, like, uh, or playing a bunch of w- or, uh, ICW or ICP's music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually even did, a, uh, during an episode of Nitro, I can't remember which one off the top of my head right now. Um, they brought him in, yeah. They brought him in as announcers. Uh, for they, they, they announced a WCW where a Juggalo Championship wrestling match yeah. as the announcers from JCW during an episode of Nitro, which I actually thought was pretty funny. Yeah, and I actually remember watching that where he actually ju- uh, drew his face like uh, as a Juggalo. Yeah. Like Vampiro did. Yeah, oh, for yeah. quite a while. And he, he has a he has a snippet of somebody in like one of their songs, too. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I know about Vampiro is, along with being in a team with Sting, he also was in a team with the Kiss Demon from WCW, and it was super random because it was just like, a bunch of dudes with their faces painted thrown together. Because, <laughs> like, Sting is some good little Christian boy. The wall, or the the Kiss Demon fucking... Whatever, killed, rock and roll. Dale Torborg ended up killing himself, so RIP to that. Uh-huh. Um, and then there's Vampiro, who's this, like, Canadian dude who speaks fluent Spanish, who's also kind of a badass, like... And he loves, like, fucking spiritual, biker, hardcore like, punk like rock that. dude. Yeah. Super weird, but yeah, Vampiro's sick. Yeah. Shout out to Vampiro. Shout out to Vampiro. Um, I guess it's my turn to do my yeah. last guy. Yeah. It's obviously going to be the Undertaker, but it's Undertaker doing his like actual Undertaker gimmick from like 91 and 96 when he was super creepy before he became like the cult leader creepy. Yeah. I don't need two cult leaders on my list. Dude, Undertaker's <laughs> debut match at Survivor Series is so cool. Undertaker's so sick. And the one where he so comes sick. out with like his face all white and stuff. When he comes out with uh, Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase and Brother Love. It yeah. was it was Survivor Series ninety nine nineteen ninety. It was his very first debut. So yeah, I remember um, like Bruno. What was it? Uh, not Bruno San Martino. It was uh, uh, Gorilla. Yeah. Um. He he's like, oh, would you look at the size of this one? Yeah. Yeah. He was, <laughs> which is funny because Gorilla Monsoon's not very much smaller than the Undertaker. Yeah. yeah. Gorilla Monsoon was like six foot eight. Yeah. They booked. They booked like. But, 
The Undertaker is six foot ten, but yeah, they booked shoot. him so like they made him see like he's over seven feet tall and then well, yeah, with career, lips, with the boots yeah. and stuff. Yeah, he's seven and then, feet tall. And then and you could teach career, that one, obviously. Yeah. But anyway, because Undertaker's <laughs> well, my guy. <laughs> you can Sorry. you can teach that. You can't teach him being tall. You can't teach that. Anyways, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight Daniel um, Bryan because he's short. <laughs> I don't like being. I don't like short people. Well, that's what pretty much Sheamus was doing when he came back as a heel in 2015. Yeah, he came back to fight like every indie guy, and then yeah. ended up with a feud with Dolph, who was yeah. never an indie guy. But anyways, yeah. Big Cass would him. Big Cass would hate. Real quick, just one last thing. Big Cass would hate Birdo because Big Cass is tall and Birdo is only five three. He's short. <laughs> he's short. Oh, I'm not five three, dude. If Birdo anything, is, me and fucking Birdo is five three. Don't let anything else he says on this podcast. I dude, me and Enzo and Roy are probably like the same height. <laughs> well, fuck you because you're like six ten, so fuck off. <laughs> That's fine. He's the Undertaker, bro. Yeah. But anyway, actually, now Drew, you're like um, six four. So I'm five. six five. Yeah. yeah. I don't need to talk so. way too much about the Undertaker because if you know anything about wrestling, you know the Undertaker. He sucks now because he's a maga dude. But and he's um, like a born again, a born again Christian. Yeah, he can suck my fucking big nuts. Can we talk as about Christianity and wrestling at some no. point? There's a lot of Christian wrestlers who like, like even Lance Archer Lance is like Archer super looks Christian. Like, Lance and Archer looks like he should go mosh to mosh the Slayer. But the Young Bucks ideas. are pretty Christian and too. And it was like, funny too going back to Lance Archer. The Young Bucks are very Christian. Yeah. There's a lot of Christians in wrestling that like I forget about because like I don't know I just forget like you don't think about it but like there's a lot of Christian exists. wrestlers and it's weird. It's not yeah. weird but it's kind of weird. Yeah, because anyway. gimmicks exist. Yeah. Anyways, going back to Undertaker. Undertaker in his prime. Yeah, Sorry. Undertaker, um, it was just his, like, undead mortician phase from, like, 91 and 96. Borderline, mm-hmm. like, Frankenstein kind yeah, of. Yeah, that's when he was, like, my favorite because like, he had, like, the purple gloves he would choke people out with. Yeah. And if you're getting choked by a latex gloves that are two inches thick, you're going to die. Yeah. His tombstone looked deadly back then because, like, he wouldn't cross it. He wouldn't hold the guy like he wouldn't have the guys like cross their legs across his yeah. neck. Sometimes it would just be off to the side. Sometimes it was crooked. Yeah, and it looked fucking deadly. And yeah. not to mention, he basically killed mankind. So fuck yeah. Yeah, mankind also deserves a shout out for being yeah. a spooky wrestler. Yeah, will mention the mankind. Um, yeah, but like I said, I don't need to go too far in t- with the Undertaker. Everybody knows him. He's literally Dude. the biggest dinosaur. Yeah, but let's be history. honest. Most of his wrestling uh, WrestleMania matches in the nineties were god awful. Oh yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. Like his match against Shane Gonzalez, fucking probably garbage. the worst. Dude, match his of one against his, Undertaker doesn't work well with other big guys. Like him no. versus Psycho Sid wasn't great. Him versus Kevin Nash wasn't great. Yeah. Him versus Shane Gonzalez fucking sucked my ass. Well, also Shane Gonzalez was. Not really a wrestler. Giant Gonzalez was fucking terrible. He was actually, he was like a, from what I remember, oddly enough, is uh, he was like a basketball player that they yeah, like recruited. From like Chile or yeah. something. Yeah, he was like yeah. some South American basketball player. I will he was say. Like, yeah. He's like, yeah, he's like legit like over seven feet tall. Yeah, he was like, he looked like seven foot four. Yeah. yeah. Dude, well, the way Undertaker walked the ropes when he was in his prime, so sick. And Lance Archer does it better now, yeah. but it was so cool, like, just to see someone do that more, and that was, like, a move that really only he did at that time, oh, too. Yeah. And it's so very sick. unorthodox for a big guy to be in the top rope in the well, beginning. Yeah. Well, and I mean, so before Undertaker signed with the WWE, when he was doing, like, his mean Mark Callis shit, yeah. his finisher in WCW for, like, the year he was there was uh, um, top rope flying elbow, so he didn't do it from the turnbuckle, he walked the ropes, mm-hmm. and then did the elbow drop. Yeah, the way he walked the ropes. The way he walked the ropes was super cool, and, like, when you a see... Big guy. Yeah, when you the see balance. a big guy doing something like that with like the exactly with that much balance, it's super impressive and so cool. And like I really that was Which that's is why like, I want Brody King to just start doing that. And then I want Brody King to start like <laughs> acting like the Undertaker but calling himself the undead bounty hunter. Hell yeah. Well, you know what's funny too is that video that uh, I think it was posted on Twitter recently where it was like the Godfather and the Undertaker before they were the Godfather and the yeah, Undertaker. Yeah. And this was like in like some weird like regional. Yeah, when, not, when Charles Wright, yeah, he was a soul taker and then yeah. he was mean Mark Callis. Yeah, we, um, 
Yeah, we'll put so that so audio so clip right here. Campaign against Dutch Mantel Wednesday. <laughs> Dutch, the master plan is just about ready to be fulfilled, man. Mm-hmm. Wednesday night, Evans. You're going down as a wrap of the Master of Pain. I don't forget a thing, Dutch, and you won't either. Wednesday night, Evansville Coliseum tomorrow. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Undertaker. Those are our those are our top three spooky wrestlers each. Is there anything else you want to say about Undertaker? No, I'm good. I mean, like, I personally think that he, as far as in ring ability, he was probably the best in like ruthless aggression when he was like on the top of SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. personally, but hey, yeah. that's cool. Undertaker um, was the spookiest in the mid, mid to early nineties. Yeah, I want to recommend a real cool match that from the American Badass Undertaker version. <laughs> um, Undertaker versus Jeff Hardy, where he just beat the shit out of Jeff Hardy. That was a good match. It was match. actually really cool, and it's cool to see. It was just cool to see Jeff Hardy wrestle. In also, the, if you want to see the quintessential current. American Badass, like come out to Limbiscuit, WrestleMania nineteen. 19. Yeah. In Seattle. When he also, fights A Train yeah. and fucking Big Show. Yeah. Also, then Nathan Jones' clunky <laughs> ass comes out. <laughs> also, if you listen to this podcast, uh, tweet us a tweet us a screenshot of you on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever you're using. Listening to Roland by Limp Biscuit in honor of The Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> I will Venmo whoever the first person to do that five dollars. Yo, five dollar Venmo on the line. Alright, so this has been Los Ringo Bernables, thank you so much for listening. We are now officially on uh, iTunes as well. So if you have an iPhone, you don't want to use Spotify or any other source, um, go for that. Also, uh, it's free. It's free. Also, free. fuck Genuine Wrestle Boys. Yes. Rate, uh, review, subscribe. Genuine by, uh, pony Genuine. By Genuine. Genuine by Pony. Or, yeah, Pony Genuine. by Pony. Fuck that pony. Song too. That's the way pony that word. Genuine. That's the way that word should be said. It's genuine. Genuine is fucking stupid. You say genuine. Anyway, um, fuck them. Just kidding. Fuck Isai. Fuck Isai. We We're gonna try to get him on the podcast. We still have uh, beef with uh, Wrestle Boys. We'll see you guys at Hell in the Cell next year, brother.